Guys, welcome to Minefields. My name's Joshua Michael. I got my best friend in the whole world, Mr. Colin there in the Tulsa. Say what's up, brother. What's up, brother? And then we've got our resident tough guy, Mr. Tony Morales. What's up? Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata, bitches. I always hoped that the Hakuna Matata was like some sort of like Swahili phrase for like, you know, get cash, fuck bitches. And we've all been... <laughs> <laughs> all right, and That's what they were all about. Uh, and and we've, we've all been saying, like, really silly stuff to people speaking the Swahili and shit. Um, yeah, like all those... It's like uh, every Japanese those, tattoo uh, you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you check out, like, uh, some hot chicks. Like, check out my fucking tattoo of a Chinese character. Uh, that says, cum dumpster, bitch. <laughs> this guy lied to you. Um, but yeah, welcome to Minefields, yeah, uh, brought to you by, but not endorsed by Bullet Whiskey, and, uh, you've got Teacher's Choice, is that, like, you know, no, dis- no, no, it's, uh, Teacher's, uh, Teacher's Highland teacher's Cream, hot, high in peated malt, uh, blended scotch whiskey, is there, I love it. Is oh, there a God. picture of a, uh, poorly paid teacher on the, on the cover, or each, each bottle you buy, like, a bottle gets sent to some poor English teacher? Stressed out as shit. Uh, good, good logic, but I'm afraid not. No, um, I couldn't find it. I was, it took so much to find it in the U.S., but it's around. Is it's it one of those UK brands? Is you're true to your brand? Kind of, yeah. My grandmother had it in her teak liquor cabinet from Singapore. My grandfather was Royal Air Force, and so they were all over the world. They had this beautiful, beautiful liquor cabinet that my brother now has, and uh, it's carved. Everything's etched in. So we go to England. My grandmother would say, eh, "Boy, pour pour me a gin." So I'd go over and give her gin and water. That was her drink, and I was like, "What is this stuff?" She's like, "Try it. It's probably down the hatch." So I'd, I would sip on this uh, Scotch whiskey, and I was like, "This is disgusting," but I kind of love it. And then as I got older. Because it's so smoky and peaty, I I love it. I absolutely love it. What's Tony you got? I just got some Cat Morgan's rum and coke. That's a that's a delicious drink. I'm a fan. What kind of rum? Cat Morgan's. Never mind. Cat Morgan's. Yep. Damn. See, we used to drink Whalers Vanille. It was just like vanilla flavored rum. It went great with everything. It was good by itself. We'd play StarCraft until 4 in the morning, just keep sipping. We'd go through a bottle of that, and that's why I'm stupid now. You just reminded me of a drink <laughs> I invented in college. I called it the Needle Sex for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Nine-inch nail fan. Yes, 100%. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but the, uh, it was uh, Parrot Bay and uh, Cherry Ooh. Coke. Oh, I love Cherry Coke. Parrot Bay and Cherry Coke. you can find a Cherry Vanilla Coke anywhere... Oh, gosh. I like to get them over at the uh, ejaculate and evacuate, you know. You know. Jeez. <laughs> the come and I, go. I like to get, it, I like to get my, uh, my weird drinks at the, uh, at the Whip Inn in Austin, Texas. And I think there's one up in Plano. And uh, also, if you go to Pops in uh, Arcadia, Oklahoma, and now apparently in vi- the village, um... Or maybe it's Nichols Hills. I'm not sure. You can get you can get all kinds of interesting colas there. Nichols Hills, fuck that place, man. That place is just a bunch of fucking rich assholes that pay like really 
wayward DJs to DJ their weird eyes wide shut parties and butlers are walking around with fucking trays of fucking cocaine. Okay. The DJ or the butler? Uh, I was uh, not the DJ. I had a few friends that uh, had that spun a couple of those parties that said, don't do it. Like, like <laughs> I was like, well, it sounds like everything I'd ever want. And they're like, no, you don't want to do it. <laughs> like, stay away from those rich fucks. Like, all right, cool. Anyway, since we just took such a fucking hard left turn, we're going to some mutant shit tonight. Mutant shit. Tony, tell us what we're talking about. Eh, I don't know. You guys never tell me nothing. No, no. Oh, come on. I was trying to talk to Colin about it. Apparently, I had it all wrong anyway. No, so no, I, no, I was no, under the impression we were doing uh, mutants that would make it into my, uh, our own reality. Oh, see, I like that. That's I like that a lot, too. No matter what, you're not wrong. Agreed. The idea was we were going to talk about mutant powers. And I think that you got that based on how we finished our conversation last week. But then I started going off about what it was I was trying to contribute to this in our group text a few days ago. So ah. it probably coalesced as what we're what you're saying then and hit, you've been riding on that idea since then, but right. no, yeah, I, I mean, I think every, oh shit, I, there's, I don't think anybody's wrong about this. This is just free no. association. Free association talking about mutant powers. Um, yeah, the the way I wanted to, I've been, I've been like kind of racking my brain how to start this conversation is, uh, and, and Colin, you've heard me talk about this before. Was I remember leaving the Avengers movie, the uh, Ray Fiennes Uma Thurman one. And my friends who knew I was really into comics, you know, the the UK TV show. Oh, yeah. Emma Peel mm -hmm. and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And my friends knew I was really into oh. comics, and they were like, could they ever do, a, like, an Avengers movie? I'm like, hell no. They'll never be able to. No one's ever going to buy the spandex. And then flash forward, <laughs> flash forward to uh, X-Men. What, 2000? 2000, yeah. 2000. X-Men, 2000, yep. Wolverine's yep. checking out his his new uniform uh, for a team he's reluctantly joining to, you know, save the save some shithead politicians. And, like, whoa, what'd you expect? Span yellow spandex? Uh, okay. Yeah, right. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course, you know, put them in leather, you know, you know, build the brand. And now we've we've got full-blown full Avengers, man. And, um... I think that the, the key was adding texture to the everything, like super, uh, Henry Cavill's Superman costume, all the texture. I think that's what the key was, it did not make it look like fucking yoga pants and shit. But as we start there, and from the idea that they couldn't pull this off, and from when you pick up a comic book and your uh, suspension of disbelief is immediately just, halt, you know, just a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So. We've got mutants, we've got a bunch of different crazy-ass powers, and I just want to talk about the ones that, you know, Tony said, you know, what would work in real life. Um, my idea is just the ones I like. And, uh, Colin, what do you got? Well, I mean, my my concept, I you know, when I used to work at Speeding Bullet in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, a comic book store, Speeding Bullet and the Ricochet Cafe, um, I used to have... Some other co-workers there, Josh, not you, a different, you know, Josh Curlis, right? And uh, a handful of other guys that were there in, like, Sterling Gates. We would all visit about 
uh, what we're reading about and some other stuff. And, of course, you're just having comic book conversations, not like that stupid Kevin Smith show on AMC, uh, because those are forced and contrived. But um, we just have these organic conversations. And one of the things that I always got to was, and Josh Carlos reminded me of this earlier this year, how much I hated Angel as a character, uh, Warren Worthington the third, isn't it? Correct. Um, how much I hated that character. It was because, when you, you know, you look at X-Men number one, Uncanny X-Men number one, and you got, you got Beast. He looks like a giant heavy-duty dude, and he's clearly super agile, and he has hands for feet. And then you've got Cyclops zapping Magneto, and you've got uh, Marvel Girl, and I don't even know what the heck I'm looking at on that cover, and Professor X, and it's like, oh, look, he looks frail, but he's got some kind of mental powers. And, like, here's a guy with wings and a bazooka. And I'm going, okay, yeah, I get that. But, like, you know, the more I read about him, the more I was like, yes, he fits the mutant cause because he is a mutant. But what good are his powers? If he's flying around with his wings, what else can he do for anybody except radio down, like, oh, you know, Toad is going over there or... um, you know, Mastermind is clearly duplicating somebody over here. You should watch out for that. Whatever it was, it, it tripped me up. And then I really appreciated it when they did the Sentry comics. And uh, there was the X-Men Sentry issue that focused around Angel as a character who was afraid because he didn't feel like his powers measured up to the rest of the X-Men. And... I dug that because the sentry proved it to him that he was capable and he could do cool things. And it changed my entire mind about that. And I, I was, I, I loved that because here was this animosity I had for a character that I thought was useless and should just stay home and use his family fortune to help finance their super team operations uh, because they definitely needed that. And at the same time, there was a book I never thought that I would get, which proved that there was a character that could rely on his powers and do cool stuff. But then he, later in the 80s, stepped away from being a mutant and was like, no, I'm just going to be rich. And no one cares that I'm a mutant because I'm rich. And uh, they don't even know that I'm necessarily a mutant. And, I, and it's just all of that stuff. That kind of stuff. What powers make sense in the real world? Because when I started reading the X-Men and really finally enjoying it it was grant morrison's new x-men and it starts so in media rest that i'm going i don't think i understand everything about wolverine or cyclops here and i don't think i get all of these other characters and there are these just hideous creatures of mutants like beak or people who were like almost reasonable looking except they had fly wings like angel like the other angel uh who was a despicable person because of where she came from and this unfortunate stuff that had happened to her and her choices to continue to be a terrible person. And it was like, those people, how do they, the Morlocks, how do they operate in society? How can anything make any sense? Now I have a lot more to say on this, but like, so you guys know where I'm coming from. It's the idea that like, there are powers that anybody could do something with. And then other powers, it's like, like really what are Beak's powers? He's just a bird hybrid mutant, man. Yeah. Really. Like, what is that? How is that a power? How does that do anything uh, for uh, him? Okay, so let me intervene here. So basically, Uh you're approaching this as a usefulness 
type of thing. As you're a writer, you're making good comics and in inventing mutants for on the pages for people to enjoy that are useful for the team in any shape or fashion. There's that, but like what it really boiled down to without uh, because I want you guys to speak before I hit on the next aspect of this cuz there's definitely a part 2 uh to what I'm saying and I definitely don't want to take over the whole conversation is yes, you got it. It's not about usefulness, it's as how do Okay, one thing. Like, let's say you have a mutation in your your beak. You're just going to get killed by people, period. You're not the Inhumans where you have an isolated part of the world where you could go hide out because you're, you've morphed into a giant teleporting dog, you know? Like, that okay. guy was a person, and then he morphed into Lockjaw. That's the Inhumans. But, like, the X-Men live in society, and they don't have, like, all of these... Yes, they have the Xavier School. Yes, they have, like, the Hellions. Like, yeah, maybe the Hellfire Club, as if the Hellfire Club is going to admit somebody that doesn't look perfect. But, like, the Morlocks, that's where you go to hide out. There are these hideaway societies, and it's, like, it, it varies on, on how you can survive and how you can join the mutant front against villainy and how you can fight monsters or vampires in the streets of New York uh, or anywhere else in the world, or cosmic threats. It, it varies based on your skill set, and it always blows my mind that it's like, yeah, you're using the same mutants over and over again because they're popular, whether their, their powers make any sense at all. Whether their powers make any sense at all. I'm going to stop there because I want to know what Tony and, and what you have to say, uh, but I want you to come back to me so I can explain how I feel like it projects to make some sense later. Let, let, let me let me take uh, let me take the conch on this one, uh, Tony, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, I want to get back to beak. Uh huh. Now, listeners, minefielders, Colin watches a lot of World War II, Civil War. I mean, the guy is completely obsessed. With, and I'm not docking this. I I love this part about you. <laughs> you you love uh, you know historical military uh, information, and mm -hmm. I can I can. Knowing that about you, I can absolutely understand why you're coming from that perspective. When it comes to Beak, uh, I like the kaleidoscope aspect, like a, a bunch of accidents of what a mutant is, whether or not they're useful or not. Beak's usefulness is a, a storytelling trope of someone that is not exactly a useful man in, in the field, but... When it comes to the storytelling aspect, uh, especially uh, recently when uh, you know Krakoa is founded and they got it, they're, they're looking for more mutants that they haven't found. They find Beak and he's got a family. Uh, he's got kids. He's got a mutant wife, and um, they're living on a farm in the Midwest. And the reason they're there is because Beak's Beak's father is dying of a terminal terminal illness, and uh, they find him. And like, hey, guess what? Uh, you didn't know Krakoa existed. We've got this. We've got you know the, the flower, the petals. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna cure your, your your dad. And his his existence is to have that little buddy um, to someone that's ugly. Like, and uh, in, in, was it Grant Morrison's story when he when he found love with uh, Pixie? 
Was it was her name Pixie? I thought she was Angel. Well, she had wings. I remember she had wings. Yeah, she had wings. She she was. I gotta but, say this in the harshest and unfortunate way. She was a black girl living in the South, correct. and she was being abused by her father. Correct. Uh, and she was a trailer trash character. And yeah, she developed mutant uh, pixie wings. And it was kind of, I felt like this is what they based the character off of in um, X-Men First Class, the movie. Agreed. And uh, I mean, they, they deviated quite a bit, but my perspective yeah. of what uh, of how, why I love mutant powers is the kaleidoscope accident. You know, you've got this power or you've just got a, a physical mutation but you're still a mutant, and each person is valuable in a lot of different aspects. You just don't. You just got to dig deep. The the reason why, like if if I was if I was playing a Dungeons and Dragons uh, version of X Men, I would the first people I would choose is uh, uh, Doug Ramsey. Yeah. And yeah. Forge. Dude, yeah, you can get everything out of these and, two guys, and, and then and then I'd pick a powerhouse to protect them, and uh, uh-huh. that's my perspective: is the 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 fun building of it, and I like the misfits. I, I uh, like any sort of like that's when I love the mutants. That's why X Men's my favorite. Um, like Dazzler, she's not that she's not that fucking powerful. But you mentioned yesterday you pair Dazzler with Black Bolt, and all of a sudden you have an unstoppable force. Yeah, and, tell them why real quick. Tell them uh, why. What's her deal? All right. Well, she takes the she takes sounds and converts them into light and power and explosions. And um, depending on the the intensity of the the, the sound, uh, it tra- directly translates to the intensity of her attack. Mm-hmm. And, there you go. And I mean, Black Bolt is what, of course, the most powerful voice in the world. The whose, universe, whose whisper can shatter mountains, as as they put it. Correct. Like. Yeah. Black Bolt could yell and crack the earth in half. Correct. Destroy it, perhaps. And, and Tony, you remember from um, from Old Man Logan when he encounters Black Bolt with Emma Frost and he just lightly whispers and, you know, blows the fucking symbiote off that fucking uh, Tyrannosaurus oh, Rex. Yeah. And there you have it. What? That's the end of the King in Black right there. Just get Black... Just roll out Black Bolt and have him blow him all away. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. No shit, man. Yeah, we're, we're in, guys. Uh, for everyone listening, we're we're referencing uh, the uh, King in Black. Uh, latest Null is coming. He's here. But uh, yeah, Tony, what's your yeah. perspective on uh, on mutant powers? Oh, uh, you know, really? It kind of comes down to what I mean. What qualifies as a mutant? You know, um, people born differently all the time. You know, people have mutations. You know, we were talking about we were watching uh, Batman Returns last week. Was Penguin not a mutant? You know, he had the flipper hands. hands 100%. A mutant, but, like, he didn't... Like, I guess, you know what? I'll say yes, because if you're going to... if you're, That's the thing we're talking about. With, you know, when they decided... When Grant Morrison decided there were Omega-level mutants mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, it suddenly was like, oh, wait a minute. So maybe, like, who... Who's we were putting a scale of one to five on how mutant how what that does for anybody, and then mm-hmm. when you bring that up, that says yeah maybe Penguin is like a level one mutant. He's yeah. he's got the flippers. Does that and he's a big guy. Is he like especially buoyant? Can he swim better? Can yeah. he survive the cold better? Maybe you're right. Maybe he is a DC mutant 
especially yeah. in the uh, DC yeah. cinematic universe. Yeah, especially in, like a, in, Tim, in, in Tim Burton, I could definitely see it. You know, I mean, just because just because a person has, you know, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a power to be a mutant, kind of with the beak thing. You know, beak's just a physically deformed guy. You know, same thing with like Eye Boy. You know, I love Eye Boy's got a crap ton of eyes on. No, what's Eye Boy? You know? I don't know Eye Boy. He's just got a bunch of eyes. Yeah, on he's him. A, he was in, he was in Generation X, and I think he's in X Factor now. Correct. But all he's got is he's got a bunch of freaking eyeballs all over his body, and he can see everything because of that. I think I want to say he can see through, like, walls and stuff, but I can't guarantee that for sure. That's kind of rad. I mean, you know, like, if you take a character from X-Men who is a character like that and has an eye that sees in every spectrum, boom, that's an amazing ability. Even if they're going to get killed on the streets in New York. Like, that's fascinating. But, like... That's also Jordy LaForge. 100%. Jordy LaForge is a blind man with a second sight, you know? Like, the visor gives him every spectrum. And every one of those little cavities in the visor is another sensor that gives him, a, like, a, like, information beamed directly into his brain. Fascinating. Like, yeah. I, and but that's the thing. That's the thing that I appreciate about the X Men is that you can have Cyclops, who has eye beams, right? Right. But he's also pumping iron every day because he knows it's not the one thing he's going to be able to depend on. He's a great. He has to depend on his physical acumen, his constitution, his ex dexterity and agility. You know, like that's the that's the whole point. This is what I'm getting at. Like you have characters that can only like do can they only survive by way of their power when when i i hate x-men 3 the movie but when magneto loses his power he's a frail old holocaust survivor what else does he have all yeah. the years of his experience Surviving that's the holocaust all he's is a got. pretty big deal though <laughs> um, that, yeah that's a huge thing to fucking survive but what i'm getting at is he's still he's a frail old man can he fight can he punch a guy yeah. But that's the thing. All of those years being a criminal mastermind leaves him in a position of being able to still grab somebody and put them in the way of danger that was approaching him to take yeah. a bullet for him. He but that he could have done that without his powers, just from the fear what he could and could not do. That's um, what I'm saying. The that's way I agree with you. I, I just love it because of the misfit factor, man. And th there's in. Yeah. I'm not getting preachy on this, and guys, and I, I, I really hate the state of affairs. What's going on in our country right now, or just in the world in, in general? That, but I love the fact that the uh, X-Men were born from the civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love that, and it wasn't too preachy. Um, it, 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 it immediately placed you like when you, you, when I first read the X-Men, I immediately my eyes and my mind were searching for which one's me. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Which one's me and whether or not I was, if I'm effective in, in the crew and, you know, the, the fight, you know, and uh, I like the way they expanded in new mutants where like, yeah, the, the original X-Men are gone. They've been kidnapped. We, we've got these kids that we can't really get, in, let them get in the battle, but we still have to because we, you know, it has to get done. And, that's the thing that 
I think really is the, the big appeal on a base level, especially if you're reading the comics. Uh, I think a, a small small bit of it will appear to you if you're not in the know of the comics, but you read you watch the movies and man, I'm that guy. Like 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 the way we would pick GI Joes. Oh, dude, yes, I've always had my favorite Joe. Yeah, I, I was just, James. Who's nothing like me? That's the crazy thing. He's nothing like me. Who'd you pick? Who's your Joe? Lieutenant Falcon. Tony, did you have a Joe? Uh, probably Shipwreck in all honesty. He's first guy that pops to mind. <laughs> they really, really played the crap out of him in that season, didn't they? I, yeah. re- I remember the moment I got Shipwreck. Uh, Me too! I remember the moment I got Shipwreck. We went on a field trip, and uh, my uh, my friend Rudy, uh, his mom was uh, one of the liaisons, uh, and uh, you know we're, we're going around this uh, big park in uh, around London. And um, we went to a toy store. Well, we passed the toy store. And, you know, there was a bunch of kids. And But uh, Rudy's mom went in there uh, because I, I was – she was friends with my mom from working at the daycare. And Rudy and I were best friends. And um, she, uh, like, we're at this – we're feeding the ducks. And she's like, hey, I know we passed that toy store. And she, like, she, like pulled, it, she pulled two toys out of her purse. And she's like, I got you this one. I don't remember what Rudy got, but she handed me shipwreck, and she's like, "Put it in your backpack and shut up." <laughs> and that woman was a gorgeous Puerto Rican woman. That God, she was beautiful. Like that woman was just a shining Puerto Rican goddess. Like long flowing curly locks. Like let's we're getting let us, okay. Let it. Let us get to a point, but for real, because we got to go back to mutant yeah. powers. Yeah. Let's. Promise everybody we're going to spend a significant amount of time on GI Joe in the near future. Uh, I near promise. Future. I promise everyone we're going to spend multiple, constant times talking about GI Joe. Oh yeah, for <laughs> but, real. But I've, I've read, I read every episode or every issue of Marvel GI Joe. All one. I have all 155 issues, and then a ton of the. I got the Image stuff from the early 2000s, and then a ton of the Top Cow and. Whoever's got it now, I I don't know. I'm trying to get back into it. Well, but, I, um, you guys said your you guys said your Joe's. My Joe that I picked was Jinx. Oh I yeah. Jinx. Oh my gosh, I remember. I remember I got Jinx. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I got Jinx also. Jinx, she was all red. She had the coolest fucking weapons. Um, I remember watching part two. It was the only thing I hated about part two of the movie was that she was in yellow. Like she was only in red for like what? ten seconds. She's mm. only in red for like ten seconds. But like, I deviate. Let's, you, had a VHS, you had a VHS problem, my man. She was in red that whole movie. No, she wasn't. She was in yellow. And the the most of the time when she was the when they did the repelling fight with Snake Eyes, she was in yellow. They were, they only showed her training in red. Fuck you. I remember. I was pretty focused <laughs> oh, on this shit. Wow. Um, anyway, so let's... Getting let's, aggressive. Getting aggressive. Getting, getting, getting fucking yeah, pissed off, aggro, man. Fucking aggro, piss gosh. me off. <laughs> fucking, all right, so uh, let, let's... Okay. Uh, all right, so we're talking about why we like Joes. And, and uh, Tony, like, I feel like you're approaching it from a uh, a wrestling stable. Like, if you're, if you're assembling... The, the way you were talking about it reminded me if I was assembling, like, uh, who in my crew, if we're training wrestlers, I was going to send out to fight. 
It, 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 am I wrong or? That's a fascinating compliment. I, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, I, I was definitely like, I was almost thinking more like, like, a, like an X-Force kind of thing where it's like a covert ops. Yeah, like, like I said, a lot, I was basing a lot of my guys off of powers that in theory would work in real life. And I was kind of thinking more like a covert ops kind of thing. So I could definitely see where, you know, stuff like that work. KJ and Jack in the morning. Sorry, guys. KJ and Jack chiming in. Yeah, they don't shut I up. Think, I, I really like your approach to that, Tony, because what it makes me think of is a video game. I've never understood, okay, Team Blue, Team Gold. It's These are the guys that are on that Hold team, on. whatever. I've got and those cards. Like, those guys don't work for every mission, for every assignment, for every objective. But that's why it's they existed. We got to go and we got to do this. We're going to need a guy that teleports. We're going to need a guy with bladed blades coming out of his arms. We're going yeah, to need a tank. That, that, uh, we're going to need an empath. We're going to need a person with lava skills. Like, that's mm -hmm. how you set up a team. Yeah. I could never understand, understand why... X-Men was obsessed as a comic book with jamming the same characters in over and over and over again when they could say something like the Green Lantern Corps, Nova, any number of books could do this. Hey, here's the situation. Here's the op. Here's the heist. We need these. We need guys that do these things. Cool. Now, yeah. Who are now, we going to select? Da, 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 da. Those guys don't get along. They're going to have to. That's the drama. Let's go deal with it. Hey, we're going after Juggernaut. Who do we need? Let's figure it out, you know? And it's like, yeah. that would have been incredible. And then, like, the next time these two people who didn't wor like working together, they found some common ground. Were they going to work together better in the future? No, that guy started sleeping with that chick, so now it's not going to work. Like, uh, like that's the X-Men. That's, that's the way well, these team books should have been this but i'm not talking about mutant powers now the point i was always trying to make with this concept is how do you how okay i would get pissed off because people are like yeah but cyclops is like a tentpole member and i'm like fuck cyclops he just shoots eye beams what good is that are they force beams are they lasers is he burnt like he's cutting through something or he's blasting a wall out of the way or he's using just enough ruby quartz to be able to just punch a guy with his eye beams what the crap is it nobody can quantify this power and then i thought to myself what does it matter what if it's just in his mind and he is projecting to everybody i'm shooting a laser out of my eyes but he's not really. He's just really telekinetic. He's like, I can heat up the molecules so much there that I can melt that wall. Or I could use my telekinesis to just, boom, th blow the wall out of the way. Or I could use my lasers to zip around the room and make everybody think that it bounced off of 19 things before it knocked this dude out of the sky. Or something like that, you know? Like, to me, it suddenly dawned, like, what if it was what if the mutation was all mental powers? What can you make people think you're doing? Now, now and then I was like Professor X is it. Emma Frost is it. And that's why I brought up that Chris Piccolo drawn new X-Men issue from Grant Morrison uh, Assault on Weapon Plus. When you're looking at new X-Men 142 through 145, 
Cyclops and Wolverine, and we've done we've talked about this a dozen times, are getting hammered in the Hellfire Club. But the mutant that they are watching at doing a striptease or an erotic dance or whatever looks like whatever you want her to look like. Exactly. But she was like this hideous, you know, she was just a not, she was not an attractive person now, is all I'm going to say. I, I need, like, that I, is a mutant power. I, I need, I need, yeah. just need to just reference something because I got my archives out. So I'm looking at my X-Men Fleer Ultra uh, set here from 94. We've got X-Men Gold Team in a three set. We've got X-Men Blue Team. Uh, Archangel, Iceman, Storm, Professor X, Bishop, and Jean Grey. We've got X-Men Blue Team. For some reason, Wolverine's not in this. I think it's because he probably left uh, after the Adamantium got pulled out. But we're looking at Rogue, Cyclops, Gambit, Beast, Sabretooth, and Psylocke. Uh I want to say that before this happened, like Wolverine would have been obviously in in Team Blue. But we're talking about, and this is what completely confounds me about what you just said, because like Tony and I can talk about DC Comics for hours, and you and I can talk about Image and 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 Marvel for hours. But your expostulation there, uh, is that the right word? Expostulation. Extrapolation? <laughs> Extrapolation. <I don't> no. <laughs> is exactly why people... It's exactly why people like DC Comics, dude. Like, yeah. it, it, it divvies things up into these niche categories that are not based on absolute just power. It's about thought and, and feeling. And, and you just put all this thought and feeling into something and I still can't get you to read a fucking DC comic book. <laughs> dude i mean there there's no like there's so many opportunities to read dc comics you know like i'm interested in event leviathan because it's uh alex malieve art you know and i picked up issue one but i'm like okay you know what i'll wait for the trade you know it's just i'm not saying i won't read dc comics i'm just saying find me something co cohesive that i can wrap my head around easily because when i picked up that grant morrison <laughs> green lantern that was out there. You know, you have to read the whole thing to know what the crap is happening. You, you picked the worst the example. Long game. You picked the worst example. Grant Morrison's Green Lantern <laughs> was almost unreadable, almost the way uh, Multiversity was. Tony, did you read Multiversity? No, I never did. Oh, dude, like, that one was hard. I even had the, the fucking map that, like, you got for free at the comic store the, the first day. Mm -hmm. the, the con Like, it mapped everything out where you had to know and where to look, and it still didn't make any goddamn sense. Um, I mean, like, give me something that makes sense. Batman, No Man's Rant, Land, Greg Ruka. Boom! Concept. Gotham is cut off from the rest of the United States by an earthquake. The villains are out of control. The supervillains who are here, or the superheroes who are here, are trying to do their best. That's a concept right there. Like, I can do that. Concept. Uh, Damien Wayne leaves and quits and is forced out of Teen Titans. Instead of being a bitch about it, he sets up all these clues for the Teen Titans to make amends for everything they've done in the past two years, which they fucked up bad. And they end on this revelation that the 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 uh, the cookie at the end of the fucking trail is uh, Nightwing's gonna lead shit. They've got a new HQ, and we've got six issues of of 
these people just dissecting we did a lot of things wrong. Like, like when you hear about someone taking too much DMT or, or any DMT or, or, or taking a mushroom trip or, or smoked too much pot or, or had just the What's right trip. DMT? Uh, the miracle molecule. Uh, anyway, we're talking about when when these people are... Is that are, drugs? Is that a real drug? Oh, it's a real drug, baby. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> drug. Guys, sorry. We're, 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 talking, we're talking these You people, and me both, man. <laughs> these people are having um, real conversations and breaking down what they did in a really... I want to use the word obscene, but not in the... They're saying obscene things that are uh, would offend people. But they are delving into their psyche. Graphic detail? Graphic detail. We fucked up. I did this wrong. I betrayed you. I didn't listen to you. Like, we were supposed to be a team, and we were just fucking up the whole time. How can... If I presented Teen Titans to you like that, from six issues, without even knowing what happened beforehand, that they just tortured people in in their HQ, um, and erased their minds, the bad guys. They didn't kill them. Damien wanted to kill them, but he, he came to the... Um, you know, compromise. Okay, when we kill them, we'll just erase their minds, make them good citizens. And but while they were doing that, they tortured the shit out of these people. And we, we get a flashback to X Men, and they've made a lot of bad choices. I oh, mean, X Men. Every X Man is constantly making bad choices. Like, that's my favorite thing about Cyclops. He's finally a character I can like and care about. And not to say that I haven't. Uh, you know, for the last 20 years, I've liked Cyclops. And before that, I didn't. You know, Grant Morrison fed me something that made a whole lot of sense. And when he and Jean Grey essentially split up and he was with Emma Frost, I was like, I like this. I like this version of Cyclops, a guy who has had a hard time identifying with everything that he thought he was supposed to be. Because at the core of it, they're all just people. Yeah, when we get out of that, you're... Sh- okay, so Joshua is showing me a Cyclops in his, like, uh, 1993 94. Jim Lee Cyclops no, no, costume. No, 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 no. Uh, one after. 94 Fleer Ultra. This is a painting by Ray Largo. I mean, this this... This series is like out of straight out of heavy metal. If you read heavy metal and you know that they they pick good artists, um, showing you the power they have. Um, no, no, yeah, that's bitching. That's a really good action moment. Check out what this. I'm, check out what this. I'm get, What I'm saying is like, I can care about Cyclops now, especially because after all of that stuff that happened in the last couple of years, he's the villain. Like that's badass. And isn't he dead? And Emma was telling everybody he was alive for yeah. a while. Yeah, Emma, he he died. He died from the he died from the Terrigen Mist, and she kept uh, a facsimile of him alive. And you know, had she, well, she didn't keep a like reanimated body. She just got in everyone's mind, made made sure that he was present and, and working the way he would. But um, that's dynamic. That's it, storytelling. It that's. Was, decisions that's bad decisions like a clone of thor coming out of the sky and killing black goliath that's bad decisions and it's good stuff that makes good comics good shit (laughs) anyway the point i was always trying to make about about mutant powers was this idea that they're presented the way they're presented because it's dynamic on the page But in reality, so much of it makes so little sense 
that it's implausible to the point of ridiculous. And I always had a problem with it. But then I got around to the idea that if, if something like, you know, I'm not that guy. But if somebody was like, Colin, we want you to direct a Hollywood feature and you get to really, you get to completely redesign what you want to do with the X-Men, I'd be like, okay, I want to focus on the plausibility of how to make mutant powers translate to the screen in a real world fashion. And a lot of it is going to have to do with hyper acceleration of what it is in your physicality. You know, you're not taking, you're not getting bit by a radioactive spider, but your mutation affects you in that way. So you can be beast. Beast makes sense. Storm. Ah, doesn't make sense. But when you say it's molecule uh, alteration, it makes some sense. She can accelerate electrons. She can make, pressure systems happen i'm like okay no let's please just define it professor x needs no explanation like emma frost needs no explanation except for this bullshit diamond form like none of that makes it but if you could trick everyone into thinking you have a diamond form and i think the thing that sold me on this was when mantis and rocket raccoon were aiming a super weapon at gladiator in war of the kings Good point. And, and Gladiator was like, what's that gun? And he's like, I've got this gun, and it will freaking kill you, and I know you're a Strontian, I know you're unbelievably powerful, but I will kill you with this gun, and we, we love you, and the universe needs you, and blah, 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 or whatever. And, and the whole point was that if you can trick a Strontian into believing that they are not going to survive something, their willpower will collapse... Whoa. That's all that stops them. But what he was really aiming at him was a freaking mop because Mantis <laughs> was getting into his head. That's mutant power. The best possible mutant powers are the ones where you can convince somebody, I shoot lie lasers or I you know, have impervious bones and a regeneration or whatever. But legitimately, I can't see why Wolverine doesn't work. Wolverine, everything about Wolverine works to me. Everything about Professor X works for me. Magneto totally works. Toad, maybe. I don't know. Like, Mastermind, absolutely. Unus the Untouchable. Do you have a, a force field? No. I can convince everybody that I have a force field. I convinced myself. Like, if somebody came along and did some earth-wrecking issues that said, hey, uh, like when, when Doctor Strange comes in during Avengers Disassembled and is like, there's no such thing as chaos magic. Uh, she has convinced you all that that's the case and you're living by those rules that she made up. This is what it really is. And everything goes pandemonium because it's probability alteration and that's what she's capable of doing. Do you know the reference that's though? The moment. Huh? Do you know the reference of chaos magic? I know. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm familiar with the concept. I'm just saying that, like, her idea of chaos magic is some thing that 15 previous creative duos developed, and they stuck with that idea until Bendis was writing it and was like, how do we figure this out? Boom! We're going to say this is bullshit. It doesn't exist. Doctor Strange has got blah, blah, blah. And then it's that this is what her power set is. When we go in and we redefine what everybody's power set is to something that's plausible, I think that it takes it out of being cartoony and makes it something credible. 
and makes it something that adult readers are like, yeah, I want to throw four about four dollars into reading that issue after issue after issue. Well, that's a perfectly logical way to like approach it, man. Like, uh, and that's why this conversation is working. Um, Tony, uh, uh, set a fire into your ass. Um, if you're if you got this whole stable, you're Professor X, not just because you're bald. Um, <laughs> it's all because my legs don't work. <laughs> if if you've got this stable of mutants, uh, you've got the entire stable of mutants, and you're given a shot to you're bringing ten guys to the show. You got to put your 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 fed over. Because that's and forgive me if that's if I'm approaching it di- the the wrong way because that's how I uh, translated what you were saying was that you were picking the guys that you would need to succeed as opposed to where Colin is looking for more plausibility. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, I could definitely. I I, I I'm kind of going with the plausibility as well, but you know, as like I was kind of thinking about like I said, like a, a team would definitely work in this case. So I've definitely got a couple. I got some. I got some guys that I think are pretty interesting. Just overall, um, you know, starting out, I would definitely, you know, going, you know, the original group of X Men. I'm gonna throw out Beast. You know, Beast. You know, his, you know, his stuff was really just kind of basic, you know, stuff. He was physically, he had, you know, physical strength. He had agility. He had oversized hands and feet, and he had a genius level intellect. He's you a know? bouncing beast, dude. That agility does everything for him. I absolutely, yeah. There's nothing yeah. to dislike about Beast. Yeah, I mean, he, he's you know he's the brains and the brawn, which is you know a great guy to have on your team. You know he's great. He's a great leader or a secondary leader, depending on who you have. You know, and he's just you know, freaking you know. Quite frankly, he was the best part of X Men Last Stand. Let's face facts. No shit. Kelsey Grammer whooping ass was amazing. Kelsey Grammer whooping ass. Kelsey Grammer doing anything is awesome. And uh, just he's yeah. the first card on number one from uh, the the Impel. Uh, Jim Lee. Jim Lee did the first two series of the uh, X Men cards back in the nineties. He did every single s- sketch, but number one was uh, trying to make sure we don't get a glare on that. So oh, nice. Oh, that is nice. That's gorgeous. Yeah, bouncing blue beast right there. Yeah. Plus now with like with the latest run of X Force, they've been making him kind of a, they've been kind of making leaning him more towards Dark Beast a little bit. Like he's been hundred. You know, he's he's not above he's not above torturing a guy. Beast. You know, he's kind of like, he lost a lot of his humanity. It kind of comes off as he's Oppenheimer and Yosef. Uh, 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 what's his last name? Um, Goebbels. Yes. Oh yikes! He's Oppenheimer and. Goebbels, all in the same person, but a mutant raised, you know, that's American, and by our standards, American. He's constantly mm-hmm. going back and forth. We got Beast, which he got next, brother. Alrighty. So next up, like, I, I've been reading, like, I've been telling you guys, I've been reading Rising Stars lately. And the whole overall concept is that these 113 kids um, were basically, um, they were taught, but they had, they had one guy in charge of them who was a doctor to kind of you know, lead them, and you know, a bunch of these guys will come back and talk to this guy. But, like, the biggest part about it is, in his mind, is, like, do their powers, you know, do the powers make them, or do they make the powers? Which I think is really an interesting concept. Because, uh, you know, over over time, the, some of these kids would develop multiple powers. 
you know, flight, super strength, whatever. And, you know, one, and as kids would be, you know, oh, I can fly. So the next thing you know, all these other kids were freaking jumping off their roofs. Figuring to be like, oh, out. maybe I can fly too. You know, they're trying, yeah, a lot of it was freaking, because like one of the issues, um, one of the, one of the people who was in the camp freaking had no powers. And she was just like, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, you know, I live my life and he's she's a, like in her mid twenties point. He's a squid. But like it's, yeah, she and the whole thing was she didn't know what her powers were, but at the end of the episode, at the end of the issue, um, a cat gets hit by a car, and she freaking she puts her hands on the cat. She's like, "Oh, poor kitty," and the cat comes back to life. Holy shit! Yeah, so she was just never put in that position for that particular power to come out. You know, she walks away and she doesn't realize that the cat's. You know, she brought the cat back to life. Do you train so she's people got, like that? I'm sorry. Do you train people like that to like just work them and work them and work them until they get to the point where they figure out what they're gonna do and who they are? It it really depends. Yeah, I mean you you definitely have to sometimes sometimes you have to push people harder than others. But like freaking you know some <laughs> things some things are gonna come naturally to some people and they won't to others. You can but do it like Kevin Bacon, a big believer in the fact, first class. Yeah, but I'm a big believer in the fact that there's just some things some people just can't do, like. I've seen some amazing guys that are really good wrestlers, but have problems with some of the simplest things. Yeah. You know, like I knew a guy that freaking he he had the best shooting star in the state, and freaking, but he couldn't do a springboard anything to save his life. I mean, think about he just, Paul Heyman, a guy that absolutely loves wrestling, and can deliver the best promos ever, but has no physical acumen whatsoever. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't. He's not going to get in the ring. If he gets choke slammed, he's gonna break. You know. No, you're completely right. But, but like, and there's that guy. But he's he's got a he's totally important. To, I mean, he he literally made Brock Lesnar, and now he's he's redefining Roman Reigns right now. And it, both guys are better for it. You know, it doesn't work every time, like Ryback and whatever. But like more times than not, more more times than not, a guy is better for working with Heyman hands on. Just is what it is. I gotta say, and I and I don't mean to divert from what we're doing, but I know that uh, that when when Roman Reigns left because of the cancer diagnosis, he uh, he he was in the midst of that whole business of how he had got the belt and he dropped the belt on that night, and he uh, he had been in the midst of that whole business of being at odds with Brock Lesnar. But when they showed the backstage aspect of that. When Brock, when 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 Roman left the ring and he went back behind the uh, curtain, and everyone was back there waiting to to hug him and 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 get, wish him well, like Paul Heyman was right there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, that guy loves everybody. Don't forget, for don't forget, the biggest tough guy in the room was the one that was having the biggest problem with it, Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Oh, dude. He was. He was so. He, he was, was having such a hard time. He couldn't even. He couldn't even it. show it. He couldn't show yeah. it. And and uh, man, like. God. I remember the last time the Shield met and Seth. Seth was weeping, man. Seth Bronze was weeping over it. Yeah, that that, that was a huge thing. When I was they, so glad yeah, when, when they did the back. punch when he, when Roman left, man. That that. And 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 I love your metaphor. You, you thought you were getting off track. But that is exactly the way the shield was. Is exactly how I would assemble an X Men group. Like if that's it, what I'm talking about. 
those guys all have their own thing. And then they fill it out and they look after each other. They heal each other. Who's your favorite? Who's your X-Men team then? My X-Men team would be a bunch of misfits. I would challenge myself. uh, if If I had full reign to pick whoever I wanted, I would pick a lot of wild cards. But I would also pick people that had a lot of extreme personalities that would bring the best and worst out of each other. But if they, if I was able to balance it, they could calm each other down at the same time, though. Like where, um, like when uh, uh, Ch- oh, I was at a uh, Soko Pro uh, a couple weeks ago, Chongo came in just trying to work out a gimmick of his, and he was helping out with a little bit of training. And he he said some things to people. He wasn't being shitty, like you know when you're like you know like you're you're you've got that shitty fucking high school coach that's just calling you a pussy and a faggot. Uh, he didn't do that shit. What he did was is be an athlete. You're an athlete, right? Right. And and then just I'd see it like like the light in someone's eyes, like yeah, I am. Okay, then do it like this. Move your hips like this. Move your legs hard and fast. And I would want to have that sort of approach with a bunch of misfits that, because, you know, I, I grew up goth, man. Like, we, we all had surrogate families, man. I, I would pick, uh, I would pick Sabretooth. Mm. I would pick Emma Frost. I would pick, God, I wouldn't, I'd want to pick, I'd want to pick Cyclops, but he's too much of a fucking goody two-shoes fucking, um... Boy Scout, I'd absolutely pick Wolverine. The reason I'd pick Wolverine is not because he's been my favorite, well, one of my favorites since I was a kid, but the uh, y'all remember when Jean Grey first got abducted by the Hellfire Club, building into mm-hmm. the the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah, and yep. they they they're outside the the Hellfire Club, and Cyclops is like, okay, we got to do this, we got to do this, and like, hey, where's Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Wolverine is already in the sewers, clawing his way, and he murders hundreds of Hellfire Club little, like, you know, their their foot yep, soldiers. Yep. He, there was nothing that was going to stop him. I would pick people that had passion. And um, I know I picked Sabretooth, but I would pick people that had that sort of fire and intensity. Like... We're a nuclear bomb, and we all have to take care of each other. Like that would—that's what would build the family—is everyone taking care of each other. And yeah, I, uh, Tony doesn't—I've only really known Tony for a couple months, but like I'm a total fucking sap, man. <laughs> like, like I would—I would, I would want to build a family where where this person knows, like, hey, don't say that, like. You're gonna piss this guy off, and like, hey, calm down, man. Like, we're, he's cool. He just doesn't know. And then, and then the the dynamic of these guys that hated each other at first coming to blows, and then their powers perfectly are in synchronicity in, in a battle, and everything just the the puzzle pieces are amorphic and fill the places. In. It, like that's that's the type of team I w- I would want to build. Uh, I mean, you're talking about the Avengers movie. I mean, it's a co- it's a it's an it's a time bomb. Uh, yeah, but those guys were all super they powered. You got Thor. And you got fill Hulk. Each other out. No, I want Dazzler. I want Jubilee. I want Morph. I I, I want the Morlocks. I I want these guys that like to really build something good. 
And and yeah. and and for if there was a funeral, it wouldn't be every year and everyone's crying and Magneto shows up. No, it would be a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Something worthwhile. That's what I got. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, have we got anything else to say about this, or should we, we progress to our books? Progress to the books. That would be that would be KJ. Sorry, guys. KJ, KJ, dialing in. KJ and Jack in the morning. In the morning. Woof, woof, woof on the dog pal. I don't know what. Tony, hit us up with hit, hit us up with some Nightwing, man. All right, let's see what I got here. I got Nightwing seventy seven here. What? This is kind of a really interesting, uh, just kind of an interesting holiday issue for the most part. Do you mind if I ask? That's not a legacy number. So he's been around a lot longer than. Oh, no, yeah, he's been around the world's longer. This is just since yeah. the beginning of uh, Rebirth. Okay, cool. great. Thank you. Yep. But yeah, no, it starts out. You got Batman and Robin, you know, they're just on patrol. No big deal. Batman's actually trying to get Nightwing to, you know, come to thank uh, Christmas dinner. You know, and oh, he's like, cool. you know, with. Yeah, well, he's like, with everything going on, I'm just not quite sure, blah, blah, blah. And then they get two calls at the same time. And turns out that um, they end up splitting up, and Batman goes to Arkham Asylum, because apparently there's a uh, you know there's a break-in, and you know people are running amok, as they do. And then Nightwing ends up having to go to this uh, the corporation called Dexaturn. And like he's just kind of like, this sucks. You know, I'm not really, you know, Batman got the cool job, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets there, and the CEOs of the company are like, you're not Batman. We called, and we wanted Batman. And he's, you know, he, freaking Dick's just like, well, you got me. So it was kind of this is ridiculous. Like, he, he's just, you know, he's he's like, we wanted your boss. And he's like, he's not my boss. I kind of found that, like, just interesting to be like, huh, it's kind of a, I could see people doing that, you know. You're not Batman. We wanted Batman. What the hell? Why is a Batman here? And it's just kind of like, you know, it was just really interesting to see that kind of and how he handled it. You know, at the same time, it turns out there's a cyber criminal that is this hack their system and is asking for specifically $2.76 million. And <laughs> now, all they need for that is like, that's an oddly specific number. Yeah. He's got, really? a, he's, yeah. got a, he's got a true blue agenda. Is this guy someone that dying family member or something like that? Oh, no. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But um, so then turns out at the same time this is going on, whoever's looking at the at the hack, Figer uh, figures out that the um, the signal's coming from the bottom floor of the building. So he runs out. So Nightwing runs out there, and there's a Santa Claus, and three masked men come out and grab the money from the Santa Claus. Oh, and you know, Nightwing, and you know, Nightwing just goes and gets him because he's Nightwing, and he just apparently forgot about everything. He just assumes they're the guys that are, you know, hacking the system. The baddies. And it turns, yeah, and it turns out that because he's you know fighting them, and it, the last one is like you know, hey, uh, they paid us fifty bucks to steal the money from Santa, and he's just like, I you know, don't, I don't, I don't know anything more than that. So then freaking Nightwing deduces that it's actually the Santa Claus that's the hacker. So he ends up following Santa because, you know, obviously there's a guy in a Santa suit. Right. So it's like not too hard to figure out who it is. But it, the whole time it turns out it's a woman. 
in the Santa and, suit. Yeah, what the what? Yeah, there's a woman in the Santa suit. The and was a woman. Yeah, and, and it turns out she's homeless, and there's she's living uh, she's living under a bridge with her daughter, and there's a whole um, a whole grouping of these homeless people, just trying to make ends meet basically. And nobody else seems. Everybody else thinks she's just the Santa Claus, you know, just taking donations, basically. So nobody else knows what's going on. And they walk into their tent in the snow on Christmas Eve, and there's Nightwing. And you know, the, the mom tries to figure, mom tries to fake that nothing's going on, and Nightwing calls her on it, and she just breaks down. So the whole thing ends up being that she actually uh, was an employee of another company that got bought out by uh, Dexaturn. And she came up with this brilliant, um, this brilliant thing, uh, program for the computer. And, you know, they were all like, you know, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you that, we're going to give you a 401k, health benefits, the whole nine, you're set for life. Mm -hmm. But then um, those who were in charge of the investors all they cared about was making money. So she ended up getting laid off. And the thing about it is, you know, they're like, you know, she's just like, they didn't care about people. And, and this, you know, and the way the world is right now, you know, obviously, you know, COVID-19 and whatnot, they're like finding a new job is impossible. You know, so I, I'm screwed. I had to do what I had to do. And it turns out the $2.76 million she was asking for was everything she would have earned up until she retired. So that's why it was such a specific number. I like the I like the Christmas episodes like this, man, because like it really builds into sense. something that like matters. Yeah. yeah, it feels it feels more real. It feels like, you know, these people, you know, the people in the in the spandex with the mask, they make a difference. Were were there any so other turn... Sorry, sorry. What? Uh were there any other like older issues or even issues that have nothing to do with this that like struck that sort of chord where it, it mattered? Uh, nothing that comes to mind immediately. I mean, I'd have to think about it to really kind of be like, oh my God, that was like these human issues, you know, probably like an annual here or there or something like that. But yeah, it's really interesting though because like, you know, the daughter's over here, are you going to arrest my mom? Oh, like, wow. And he's he's like, no, he's like, give me till the morning and I'll figure this out. And then turns out, even though, uh, you know, next thing you know, a freaking a nice car pulls up to pick them up. And they take them to this apartment complex owned by Bruce Wayne. And Bruce Wayne ends up, you know, hey, this is you're, you're going to live here. You're going to live here rent free. This is the least I could do. You know, that was wrong. And she, the, the mom actually turns it down. Because she's like, you know, I can't just, you know, all those other people there, I can't just, I can't just leave them. I can't abandon them. I'm, you know, one of the few people that, you know, has hope for them. And Bruce is like, I'd never ask you to. And then a bus pulls up that has everybody else um, from the, basically the commune, if you will. So, you know, you know, then obviously they accept and everyone moves in, you know, and it's at least, you know, they might not be happily ever after, but it's at least, you know, a better day for them. This is and the last scene is actually. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's a good read, and like that's the last page nice, ends man. up that's being. A good issue. Yeah, and then everybody ends up. You know, uh, Dick does indeed join them for, you know, Christmas, and everybody just kind of. It's just kind of like a feel good moment, which, like I said, you don't necessarily get 
you know, a lot in comic books these days. It's it's difficult so it's kind of nice to have that side in there. It's difficult. Like uh, to throw back to the X Men, like like once a year, like the everything gets finished, and the first five pages is, wow, everything's great. We just defeated this guy, and we're all happy now. <laughs> and uh, but this is a whole different side of you, man. I appreciate that, man. Like uh, yeah, like I said, I read it, and I was just kind of like, oh, this is this is nice for a change. Like the good vibration, man. Like uh, and uh, vibrations, uh, I always think about uh, flash. Like uh, you're vibrating at the right frequency, and mm-hmm. and it, it just gets you in the in, in a good mood. I appreciate such a good feel good moment, man. Because like everything's been so dark and gloomy, man. Like we we were talking about fucking yeah. uh, uh, null last week, and it's just like it's over. <laughs> it's yeah, we're doomed. <laughs> Somebody call yeah. Black Bolt. <laughs> exactly. Oh Jesus Christ! You just saw. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Colin mentioned it earlier, but when you said it just with a little bit more gravitas, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Colin, you said it you said it good, but he said it pretty hard. <laughs> Somebody just call call Black Bolt. We'll solve this entire uh, symbiote problem. It's been we've known this forever. It's very obvious. We we were listening. Like sound. We were listening hardcore to you, but during you were, while you were talking, uh, Sky told me I could change my background. <laughs> I changed my background and now now I can't see uh, now I can't see Tony. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's best for everybody. Let's face facts. My my background oh, man. is everybody Tony. wants to see your Puerto Rican chest out there beating the shit out of guys. Dude, Tony's. Fucking... I, I did chest today at the gym actually, so mm-hmm. I'm really pretty pumped. Day. My first day back in the gym in like three four months at this point. It's crash post heart surgery. Crash or crush? A uh, crush. All right, so that's what I got to figure out. Because, like, uh, right when COVID hit, my Gold's Gym shut down immediately. Yeah, mine did as well. That's why I got moved to Crush. I wonder if I've been getting billed from Crush and I don't know it. You should check into that. They, they were like, oh, we're going to automatically start billing you in July. So, like, I had to put mine on hold in September when I had my surgery. So, mm. my, my background says that there's no job. <laughs> yeah, your background is very uh, obviously going to get you into some kind of trouble and keep you out of politics. Yeah, no, he's definitely on a casting couch right now. <laughs> My favorite part was when you vaped a second ago in that big cloud and you just disappeared. Disappeared. And then you came back. Ah. Mm. Let's, dude, hey, let's talk about this Namor. Yeah, let's do Namor. Uh, let me. Oh, let so me much fun. Let me just uh, go into my archives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull us up some Submariner. Submariner. Let me while you're you're finding that I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a little bit here. This is a Kurt Busiek script, guys. That's phenomenal. I can't remember the last time we saw Kurt Busiek it's doing been something. A, it's I'm, been a while. Yeah, and this this is good. So I. Uh, like automatically, like I just I flipped one page and I was like, "Oh, it's Kurt Busiek," and then I kept going and going into it, and I was like, "This is cute. This is fun. This is a different Submariner. I'm very enthused by this. I want this book to keep going." Uh, and obviously, yeah, two thumbs up. And like, Zhang. Um, the thing that gets me is this idea, though, that this has to tie into the whole King and Black thing, and I'm like. How obvious is it for them to stick a king in black uh, 
title logo or whatever you want to call it a banner on this just to get people to have to read it thinking that they're going to miss out on something if they don't and then buy into the concept and i'm reading this and i'm going there's a new namor book oh my god and like that's that's what suckers me into it because it's freaking namor guys well let me give you some stats we've got yeah hit us up We've got the Marvel Comics Superheroes, the Impel series from 1990. Submariner, real name, Namor, the group group affiliation, Avengers, height 6'2", weight 310 pounds. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, <laughs> Solid. dude. Yeah. Uh, battles fought, 1,673. Wins, 1,131. <laughs> Losses, 402. Ties, 140. Win percentage, 68%. Nicknames, Subby, The Avenging Son, Arch Enemies, Fantastic Four, Atuma, Phoebe, and Desmond Mars. First appearance, Marvel Comics number one, 1980... 1939. You forgot Scuba John. Scuba Scuba Steve. 1939, Prince Namor, the Submariner, is a superpowered heir to the throne of the Undersea Kingdom of Legacy Atlantis. At times, a friend and others, a foe of land-dwelling humans. This hot-tempered monarch... Has an occasion led his Atlantean hordes and wars of vengeance against the surface world to combat mankind's polluting ways. More recently, he's left Atlantis to use his might, his wisdom, and his vast wealth to fight polluters using the corporate boardrooms of the surface world as his battlefield. Did you know? Oh, I've got those issues. <laughs> yeah, I have do. that. That's from the Namor book of the 90s. Did you know, even though Namor can breathe both water and air, the longer he's out of water, the more his super strength fades? That's, yes, I knew that, dude. That was the basic, like, how do we defeat this guy concept in all of the earliest Silver Age books. Like, pairing Submariner up against the Human Torch was a surefire way to wear him down. Subby and the Thing could go at it for days if there was water nearby. But as soon as the torch came in and like went Nova or did some kind of like flame burst or some crap like that, or I don't know what, uh, it would like, that would dry him out real fast. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. That's good stuff. When they, when everybody had like one little thing that was going to get them and somebody would eventually figure that out. That, that was always fun way back in the silver age books. Now, in the 1992 Impel, his real name is listed as Namor McKenzie. That's right, yeah. Captain McKenzie was his dad. First appearance, Motion Picture Funnies, weekly number one, October 1939. Believable. believable. Tony, where'd you go, man? I'm right here, man. Yeah, we're having issues with our video. Yeah, I should probably take this stupid background off. There you are. He's gone, man. <laughs> Joshua, are you still with us? I am still here. Let me choose. Okay, my... great. Uh, maybe we'll all just turn off our video for now. Um, Keep talking, because I'm not. Yeah, there we go. So we were talking about it initially, and we it was the whole question of like, what is it that? Uh, why? Why would anybody? Why? Why should we just relaunch Namor or the Submariner? They're never ever going to give up on this character, and they shouldn't because he's outrageously powerful and he has a rich history, and he is golden age. 
he's silver age, he's current. And if uh, if the uh, title logo is of anything to be considered, then he is the antagonist, the primary antagonist in the next Black Panther movie. That's badass because Disney slash Marvel just reacquired the rights to Submariner from Fox when they bought Fox. And Fox, of course, had the Fantastic Four as a property. Now, I saw some stuff, and I'm not entirely sure, depicting that Josh Krasinski, is it Josh or John? I think it's John. I think John Krasinski and his amazing wife, Emma, Emma Blunt, uh, and some other people are in the Marvel Fantastic Four movie. I think that is brilliant casting. That is phenomenal. Like, I am so excited to see a Fantastic Four movie with high-caliber performance like that from an actual husband and wife team that we can tell adore one another. Like, that's going to be balls-to-the-wall awesome. Uh, whatever else they have going on. And for God's sake, it doesn't have to be Doctor Doom all the time. Please. Like, Submariner is where it is at. You have... Okay, this is the thing about the, uh, the Submariner. For anyone who just picked up this book, or anyone who's thinking about picking up this book or hasn't even considered it, or like, had a or had a hard time understanding what the fuck was going on, yeah, like what? Why is this book awesome, and why is it important? This is a book that ties in current events with the King in Black, and it it's like okay, the current Submariner. You see him on a couple of pages, and he is a grizzled gnarly streamlined veteran right but he's going to the depths trying to figure out just what the heck happened to something and we don't know what it is but it pertains to all the symbiotes and uh he references this the uh what is it the swift wave i don't even some characters i've never heard of before not to say that they didn't previously exist or whatever but they're kind of like the Atlantean version of the Valkyries as depicted by Thor and Thor Ragnarok. They're that badass, right? And Namor is a young man. He's still the Prince of the Blood. He's not the Submariner that we've always seen. And uh, he's he's got a lot of hero worship for these people. He's also not the arrogant prick anti-hero that we've been dealing with for decades. So he's he's cruising around with Dorma, who is a lady-in-waiting and will eventually be his love interest, the Lady Dorma. And then he's also encountering Atuma, who becomes one of the principal villains in, in Submariner comics in the Silver Age. They go back to Atlantis. They are expecting like this diplomatic event between Atuma's tribal people and the Atlanteans. And we see Krang... Warlord Krang, who was the leader was, of the Atlantean forces. Was was Krang a name before Krang from Ninja Turtles? Oh, for God's sake, yes. The Ninja Turtles came out in the 80s. Krang was a villain in the 60s. Um, and uh, I think it's still spelled the same way. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go this far. My favorite Submariner stories I've ever read are uh, depicted in the Submariner Marvel Masterworks Volume 1. It is the most contiguous 
awesome Submariner stories that there are. Uh, it's tales. It's 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 the combination of a bunch of tales to astonish issues. So you know how it was with Marvel Comics in the '60s. They could only print so many issues at a time, and so you'd have half stories. You'd have half the comic, dip, like geared towards one character and half towards the other. So in Tales to Astonish, it was the Hulk and Submariner, and usually their cross, their paths didn't cross, but occasionally it did. And uh, so Submariner in in this stuff is dealing with Krang being obsessed with getting Lady Dorma to love him so that he can kill Prince uh, Namor in an effort to take over Atlantis. So in this new Namor book, Krang is a heartfelt, like, good guy trying to train up Namor. And I guarantee sometime down the line, young Namor is going to go off on his own and do his own thing. And all of these characters like Atuma and Krang are going to get pissed at him and think that their comeuppance should be way more before his because he's just royalty. Why the fuck should he get to do what he wants to do? Like, we're the ones who are actually out here doing the work. Like, that's the kind... It's classic formula storytelling. And uh, so... Atuma's tribal people show up. They're trying to stop this unification movement between Atuma's tribe and Atlantis, the Imperial Atlanteans. And then the uh, the Fresh Wave, the Cool Wave, the Capri Sun. What is the name of this squad, Joshua? I don't remember. They are... You know, the, the way you're putting it, like... The Swift Wave, I it, think. It, it, it reminded me of the Seven. Okay, tell me about that. Tell me about uh, that. I'm talking about the boys. Um, oh, okay. But these guys aren't deviant assholes. They they were at least on first uh, glance. Let's see. I'm going through the pages here. First meeting the chick. I think it's a swift wave. These people are the Shi'ar Imperial Guard for Atlantis. That's basically what they are. It's like... Hey, we control all of this territory, like the Persian Empire. Hey, we control all of this territory. So uh, let's have, or maybe it's, I'm sorry, is it Persia or is it, yeah, it is Persia. Like, let's have our elephant tr people over here and let's have our uh, Sikhs or let's have our rapier guys or whatever. Like, let's get a super champion from each of our zones that's our legit Imperial Guard. Like, that's what they tried to do here. I totally appreciate that. It is characterized as realistic in history, and it's just a kick-ass storytelling technique because you can have recurring members come back again and again every time you depict these guys, or you can say, yeah, uh, that guy got killed on the mission to Beta Reticuli, and like you'd have no idea, and they'd like have 15 new members all the time. Like, it's the X-Men! Like, why isn't the Imperial Guard its own book? The Swift that Tide. Freaking... Yeah, the Swift Tide, like... As a team name, kick ass, man. And they have it all. They're basically the Avengers of Atlantis. So, like, the idea that they don't exist anymore and that they existed, I'm sold. Like, I want to know what's going on in Atlantis and where are these characters and how did they get killed and why doesn't Namor have a swift tide as part of his Imperial... Well... 
don't forget, what? don't forget that this story started with that he fucked up something bad, and we're getting to it. Oh gosh, good point, man. Yeah, I'm just, dude. This book is awesome. What else did you take from this? What did you like about it? I liked watching Namor specifically while he's uh, being kind of recognized as a prince, being mm-hmm. coached by an actual royal imperial. And being told, like, hey, I know you're a hothead asshole, but tonight we have to, we have to play ball. And uh, let, me, let me flip to the page when it happens. Uh, Dude, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Krang telling him, yeah, like, yeah. hey, we're about to receive this guy, and maybe you don't like him, but chill out it's, and just, it's, like, it's, accept it. It is best if princes find a way to get along. Do you mm-hmm, follow that's me? That's true. Yeah, I love of, it. Of course I understand. The fact that Namor is yielding. Like, the, I th- that's what really attracted me in this book and really sucked me in was that Namor is yielding. Excellent. This is I'm the only sure time you, in his life he's ever going to do that. I'm too. sure you would. And what I'm hearing is like, dude, you got to play ball, shut your fucking mouth, pay attention, do what you got to do, and follow my lead. Also, read between the goddamn lines because this is what a leader does, and this is nice. And and <clears throat> with the added uh, idea that you know there's something here that Namor is banned from, they have not revealed the, the comic didn't reveal. Um, is <sighs> Namor is not a good leader? <laughs> he's a terrible. No, leader. not yet. No, he's a young adult here. He's definitely I've, like in his twenties or something. I've never know? seen Namor as a good leader, though, man. Like he's just like do what I fucking say or Imperious Rex. And basically, yeah. When you when you're the biggest toughest guy around, you don't necessarily have to let anybody give you any grief. Yeah, it's but... rare to see him make other people take care of the business it, it's, instead it's of the... him. It's you the know? idea that we're watching the we're watching his missed opportunity. Oh, dude, there's so much potential in this book. But I almost don't, don't want to see anything to do with the King in Black. I want like yeah. If this if this if this is like if how there's is some this related nonsense in this that steals the steals the thunder of this? I'm like, dude, can we get through that in? Uh, I'll give you three issues and then let's just get on with it. I want a concurrent. Young Namor book, like let's train him up. Let's see why Krang and Atuma become major problems. Let's see why. Let's see Tiger Shark eventually. You know, let's see. Let's see him go through like become. We're talking about pre Golden Age comic Namor. How awesome is that? No, it's wonderful. But I I want to know. I want to know. Because uh, we've got a DC guy in the room here. Uh, any parallels with Aquaman? Tony. Oh, throw it. Oh, there's definitely. I mean, that that was kind of the whole thing was that you know he was basically Aquaman was created to counteract Namor initially. You know, he's definitely made mistakes that have. You know, he made mistakes that cost him like his son. You know, he got kicked out of Atlantis at one point, I believe, and I think Mira became queen. And, Thanks, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Miss YouTube. Oh, you guys can hear me? Oh, yeah, yes. totally. <laughs> I thought I muted this shit. No, no, you did not. 
I'm getting roasted. <laughs> roasted. Don't so worry, she's blonde. Bed, she's hot. She's not my girlfriend. She's my. She's one of my best friends. Don't worry. Carry on. Hey, carry on. I'm, carry I'm not on. gonna. You know. Hit us with the. Hit no us shame with in the game. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, he was definitely my um, Aquaman. Was that's what he was. He was the guy that they made to counteract Namor in the first place. I think, if I remember correctly, Namor comes out in 1939. I think Aquaman comes out originally in 1941. So I want to say he's got like two years on him. That makes sense, yeah. Oh, you got to be better about that. That's how all those dudes ended up on freaking the other one. We know you already said it. All right. So things being what they are, Aquaman is like both, you know, DC and and Marvel were definitely like, they're the two biggest, the biggest uh, guy, you know, organizations in comicdom after a certain fashion. And uh, they were both trying to outdo one another. You've got Captain Marvel as a character, and it's like Shazam. That's Captain Marvel, right? So, uh, or Mr. Marvel, or uh, as it were. And um, I don't know the answer to that. Somebody else might have to chime in on it. But they were they were constantly stealing each other's ideas. They had Slade I, Wilson I would and love Wade to Wilson. chime in. Now, and Deathstroke. Now that I know that the mutant thing on this doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry about the we guys. all know now. Yeah, <laughs> everybody know. knows. Sorry, guys. Nah, I'm not feel sorry. Free Fuck y'all. Free, feel free to tell Josh you love him in the comments. I love both you guys. You know, I've been all mushy about you guys all goddamn day. Fucking Tony uh, Colin. You're such a hopeless romantic. I am, man. Why do you think I always hug you? <laughs> Colin and I are. Because you like picking me up because you're like a foot taller than me. I don't ever pick you up. You're. I don't want to get my You've ass thought kicked. about it, though. Nah, I never thought about it. It's just more of one of those, uh... I don't know how to fight. I mean, I can get feral, but... Anyway. <laughs> I will claw the hell out of your arm. No, I, I get crazy. I'm gonna super kick everybody. I get crazy in fights, man. I, I, I prefer the okie-dokie kick myself. The okie-dokie kick? What the shit is that? You, did, you hit it like 42 times, it's gonna knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> It was a whole brilliant scheme I came up with like three years ago that I've never actually got a chance to utilize. So, dude, I'll get in the ring with you and you can hokey dokey kick me. Too oh, much. oh, I will. Uh, <laughs> your shin will never be the same. I don't want to have anything to do with this. this you're is a, a terrible idea. You're a shin kicker, you son of a bitch. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta oh, do. That's I terrible. Agree. I beat a guy in the head with a with a fucking beer bottle for a while and choked him out in a. On a on a pool. All right, table. let's not get creepy. That's There's not nearly as much. We're talking about name work here. Oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Got distracted. Anyway, by Josh, what was your takeaway on Namor? My takeaway on Namor was the fact that we are looking into a absolute pivotal moment in his life where he. I I, I really hope that. You know, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and go on a limb and say I know Kirk Bezier is going out in on a limb and showing a pivotal moment where he should have been coachable to learn, mm-hmm. and this is something he fucked up bad because he's going into battle 
with some badasses, and he's invited, and he's going to fuck it up. And he's going to ruin a uh, potential alliance with more underwater, underwater civilizations that mm-hmm. should have mm-hmm. actually happened. But how the fuck is this tying in the, in the null? <laughs> I know. Like, it's such a stretch that they've got to do. It's like, okay, let's, we've got a great story for Namor, but we need to tie this in the null somehow because that's what's going on. And I, that's what I was saying at the beginning. I think it's a sucker move to I literally don't stick care. the banner on the comic and you, you need to read this to know the entire null story. What a way to trick someone into reading fucking Namor. I mean, like the I last think... time, the last time we all got tricked into reading Namor was the, the cabal. The cabal. Oh dude. No dude. I read the cabal strictly because I was like, wait a minute, Namor's in it? Like, dude, I'm down. Namor dude, is such yours, a good character. Dude, that was like, like 10 years ago, and Tony, he was so fucking pissed he was reading an X-Men comic book. Oh, really? I was not. Yes, <laughs> dude, he you was now. He was so pissed. Namor gets jammed into the X-Men dude. as if he is... Namor transcends the an, X-Men. He's an, been around so much longer than the X-Men. An he ice cream truck pulled up. first mutant. An ice cream truck pulled up, and little Colin saw uh, fucking Namor and Loki and Emma Frost and Doctor Doom all offering him ice cream. And he was like, yeah, sign me up, Mom. I need some fucking monies. And he's reading a fucking X-Men comic book, and he's calling me pissed off he's reading... <laughs> A fucking X-Men comic book. Oh, shush. That's not at all. Dude, you know how much X-Men I've read? All 12 <laughs> issues. Very but little. Guys, guys. <laughs> Very little. <laughs> I've read a lot of X-Men stuff. I have a huge collection of, of unread X-Men, comic books. That... Like, Earl, like Chris Claremont X-Men books. And I've got... Dude... I've got the enti- like that new the Grant Morrison new X Men. I've got it all in hardback. Morales, got, he does uh, this all the time. He pulls his fucking back issue dick out and starts wanting to measure this shit. He does it all the time. <laughs> I think you're both oh. measuring pretty hard right now. No, he's blushing. I can feel. I can about it. I can literally much, feel him blushing. How much does every X Men comic weigh? One point six three ounces. No, 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 no! All together, all all X Men comics. Oh, your mom. I've got a, a veritable <laughs> Ohio's weight of X Men comics. Okay. All right. We're 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 all right. So we're we're talking we're like way you, off now. What's the next fucking book? <laughs> Tony, give us. Tony, give us. Some I think it's your turn, actually. My turn. Jesus Christ. Um, all right, let me let me go back to my list. You're you're, you're the one I'm going to pull out the ruler right now, kind sir. My my list ski. Right, hey 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 hey! Hot blonde called me. I answered. I don't even have hair, man. I I would have just sent a text personally, but what else? You're married, dude. That's not fair. Then you're a whore, sir. Uh, I've been a whore, and for the past ten years, I've only... Yeah, I'm a whore. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Tony calls it like the seasons. Uh, God damn. I want to pull out Guardians of the Galaxy, man. This was... This is a new 
fucking psychedelic comic, man. This really fucked me up, man. Like, uh, I mentioned DMT Spirit Molecule. DMT Spirit Molecule, uh, you can get this drug. Uh, it's like a 10, 15 minute trip, but apparently you can access different dimensions and go into one of those, like, when you, uh, go into one of those, um, when Maynard and Tool, like, you know, went to Arizona and went to the natives and got smoked out in one of those <laughs> hot tents and sees different colors. And that's what's happening here. We're talking that Star-Lord has, Star-Lord's dead right now. And I, I, I God, that pisses me off here. And like, it's like, like, is, is that really still a thing that, I'm going to buy this comic because somebody died in it. Like. Oh, that kind of crap happens all the time. I fucking, yeah, it's not even a thing anymore. I, I, I'm hoping it's not a thing anymore because this one, I feel transcended it. Because when when Peter died, we didn't really see him die. We just saw him get, like, basically annihilated. His atoms were completely split. I mean, he, he did the noble thing, which is not exactly what we are prevy to seeing him really do all the time and we he finds himself in an alternate dimension and the his his linchpin his, or not linchpin his uh his his the the rock that just is the magnet is keeping him in this in this bubble is is his gun um been the name of it uh this weapon is invincible the one weakness in working your will is you and the gun is powered by the energy of suns, and he is half god. And he finds himself in in an environment where he has been completely disintegrated, and the gun is still there. However, it still works, and as we're proceeding through this new dimension, he it like it, it separates things, and he wakes up in the first houses. And then it splits it into triangles, and then the house of beginnings, and then the second house, the house of possession, the third house, the house of communication, the fourth house, the house of home, the fifth house, the house of play. And, like, he's been there for three, four years, and he's like, listen, we've been traveling throughout the cosmos, and my gun is still, like, imagine if Green Lantern is found himself in an area where he doesn't have to recharge the ring. And it's confusing to him, but like he keeps getting distracted why it's not why it's not needing a charge. And we get to the fifth house, the house of play. And they're like, hey, we're by the you know, they just killed a bunch of baddies and this chick and this this alien chick and see dude like, hey man, like you've been here for a couple years, man. Like uh, why don't you come and join? And uh he's uh-huh. like no. <laughs> Where I come from, we have a set, a, a different culture, and just not indulging in it. And Sixth House, the house of health, where he learns where, like, the indulgence of certain foods is, is going to invigorate him. Seventh House, mm-hmm. the house of partnerships, where they are in serious battle. And what we were talking about earlier, especially within the mutantdom, when I was mentioning that I would pick guys that would play upon each other and always, like, whether they were at odds, they would, their powers combined would always, you know, just win the day. Eighth house, 
the house of death and rebirth. This is 12 years later. In his mind, 12 years has gone by from his death. Okay. And he's in a he's in a bathhouse. And this is when he gives in. The the house of death and rebirth and he gives in to the orgy. Like that's what they were offering him. I I really enjoyed the subtlety of this. And um I've mentioned it before, but uh Tony, have you ever watched uh Alfred Hitchcock Presents? Oh yeah. The the first episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh the guy mm. he he thinks uh his wife is claiming some guy in a gray suit raped him, raped her and uh he's at work. They they just moved from Texas to California and Aunt B from uh fucking uh Andy Griffiths is, is the, the neighbor. And like she's she's half awake and claiming this guy hurt her and well the cops are like, hey, we have no evidence to anything. Just take her to drive. Just chill this bitch out. Like, the like serious 50s chauvinistic bullshit. Like, you've got a crazy bitch here. Just take her to drive and get her some ice cream and a Coke. And mm-hmm. she's like, that's the guy. Like, they're, they're, she, they're cruising, and she's just getting a gray suit. That's the guy. And he, husband parks the car, grabs a wrench from underneath the seat, follows this asshole up to his room, and beats him to death with a wrench. Now... When I'm talking about subtlety here is the fact that it still is impactful even though it was the, 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 the 60s. You didn't see him kill the guy. What you saw was the shadow from the side of the room when you're looking in the door of him raising the wrench and then the, the hand goes down and then it kind of curves to the side and you don't see it go up and down over and over but you hear the wet, smacky wet. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, that's the best part you know you don't see anything exactly it's all left to your imagination exactly thank you thank you thank you thank you and that is what is happening here like where he's learning on these interdimensional cosmic uh hippy dippy bullshit things and but he's still got this tinge in his mind like, like i'm not supposed to be here and why is my gun still charged and uh, that was, we moved to the ninth house, the house of ideas, where he is more charged and in charge. And we moved to 143 years and 12 minutes in the future, after he died. So imagine if, when and if he comes back, he's been alive for an extra 143 years and 12 hours. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And this is the ninth, the, the tenth house. The House of Life's Work. And this is when he realizes, I shouldn't be here. And turns on these people. And wants to leave. And his decision immediately makes these gods he's interacting with turn on him. And he starts being engulfed by this, like, complete, like, like, amorphous, like, meat, meat thing. And then we... Flash forward 144 years, 11th house, the house of community, where he is, it's more of a him intact with the people that he's working with and a leader the way you would expect Xavier to be in a thousand years if he's still alive and we're all past that bullshit when his hubris is like kind of containing and controlling him. Mm -hmm. And then we end in the 12th house. Back to the sacred pool. The House of Endings. 
when he decides it's time to leave. And he's told by his lover, don't forget us. And he falls through a kaleidoscope. And as he's falling through this kaleidoscope, he's getting this, like, that, that bombardment. Boom, boom, boom of those, like, like, God talking to you. Do not fear for your reason, Peter. It is too late for that. I have made you a Star-Lord. They're making... Oh, that's sweet. They are... The, the, the purpose of this issue is to add gravitas to being Star-Lord as opposed to being like, you know, like, hey, I'm Star-Lord. Like, who the fuck yeah, are you? I know. <laughs> the fuck are you? I've got a lot of... I've got the earliest Star-Lord appearances in magazine form and everything, and it is not nearly as heavy duty as it needs to be uh, to make it fit with anything that they've done with the Guardians or his character in decades. This comic could not have been done until digital digital illustration. The colors in this were... Like, I did not accidentally use the word kaleidoscope. And he finds himself alive. What's happening right now Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got uh, Rocket Raccoon. We've got Nova. They're about to throw down from what happened in the last issue. Nice. And right. all of a sudden, fucking Star-Lord showed up. So, back to what I was saying about hating that like someone died. I, I, I didn't get pissed off when he died. Because the way he died was so um, ambivalent and... Uh, to the side like a Hitchcock thing and Mm -hmm. him showing up it it didn't take it like eight years for you know Peter Quill to show up the way it took you know Wolverine to get his adamantium back and then we are straight into Null and they are on a planet and we're seeing some symbiote dragons flying through the sky and God it, it, it pains me because I'm so torn about what's going on and uh, King in Black, because, you know, it's it's so over the top. And uh, what did I say yesterday? I, I, I don't hate it. I'm just not the target audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's gotcha. a great way to put things. Every once in a while you get something like that that just it's like, this doesn't do enough for me. But I get what they're doing and I know where they're going with it and I'm okay with that. Yeah, man, I like that. That's a that's a good analogy. I'm just not the target audience. Like, in am I, am I the old guard that like wants the twelve issue series? Uh, yeah, in a way, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I prefer the uh, X of Swords because each issue mattered, as opposed to when we were reading Siege and only the Siege issues mattered, and all the satellite ones like. Were four issues. There's like eight side stories going on in Captain America and X Men, and none of those mattered because those could all be summed up in a in a in half a paragraph. Um, yeah. I, I want meat and potatoes. I, I want everything to matter, and I just think that I'm really enjoying <clears throat> this side little story here, and I'm just not the target audience, and I don't think I'm the right one to say whether it sucks or it's good. <laughs> it's not, you don't have to be the right one necessarily. Yeah, I mean, totally makes sense. I, 
I I haven't got to read that one yet, and I'm reading Guardians and trying to keep up with it, and I still think that Guardians is not the flagship cosmic Marvel book. His journey in throughout the the houses is reminiscent of when um um what's her name uh we're we're talking I'm I'm referencing the Doctor Strange the first Doctor Strange movie um. When she showed yeah. him and pulled him out of his body and threw him through all different realms, yeah, that is a very good uh, metaphor analogy for what Peter Quill has been going through for a hundred like and that. something years. I like that. That's a good years. way to put it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I am, I, man, I'm so psyched for this because the one thing I didn't like about Guardians is that their leader was a pussy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, like he, like he, he was, he was a ne'er do well. He was like accidentally there, and these guys still, they, they've got the wool pulled over their eyes, and still don't know this guy is not their best leader. But mm-hmm. now I'm looking forward to. Uh, well, who's their best leader then? Well, well, exactly. Like I don't know. Um, I was thinking that the second I said it. Um, I don't know who the best. Uh, that's why Gordon's Galaxy works. They're they're a hodgepodge of misfits. But to to imagine if now we've got it, an, a mature Peter Quill that has been through a million different things, and the first thing that popped in my head is, how the hell is he going to explain this to Gamora? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, what does it matter? Why does he have to explain it? He ultimately will have to explain it, but all he has because to do is that's our that culture. first. Because that's our culture. That's why they, he didn't. That's why he that didn't. That might be our culture, but Gamora's not even human. But, she spent a fraction. Like she spent, she spent a, a, a you know, not even one percent of her life on Earth. How is she supposed to? Why can't these characters come from such, you know, multitudinous backgrounds? Because that we because can't the writers stand. Because the writers that wrote it. Are coming from our culture. We're talking. Your, and that's your, that's a your failure. Little, your, it could be. You're right. And now and we're at a point where we can be branch out. Better than that. Is Gamora really going to be okay with the fact that he's been involved in multiple orgies with interdimensional uh, beings? No, I wouldn't tell her. <laughs> I that's wouldn't. that simple. She doesn't don't even ever, know. Don't she does never tell her. You know, like that. My my favorite. You you bring okay. You have some wacky shit happen to you in 20 minutes that you're dead, but, like, you experience an entire lifetime of stuff that gives you gravity and personage, like uh, the inner light of Star Trek The Next Generation. Captain Picard experiences an entire lifetime as another person and experiences in a complete other culture in what 30 minutes while he's KO'd after his heart stops and or Doctor Strange how much did Benedict Cumberbatch version of Doctor Strange level up fighting Dormammu again and again and again and again and again we don't know we watched the movie we saw it happen 15 times it could have happened great happened a thousand times no it happened a million times in great analogy because he's got a couple seconds before hey i'm not going anywhere 
Yeah, but he still has exactly. the memory. He still has the memory. Dormammu, I came to bargain. I die this way. Okay, I know how that works. Now I can combat it. Dormammu, I came to bargain. Oh, my God. And he dies 88 times, and then he's like, oh, my God. Hey, yeah, I've died this way before, so I'm going to try this. Oh, it worked. Now I died that way. Okay, now if that happens. It's Groundhog's Day. I mean, you get it figured out. That's all Groundhog's Day with a purpose. Dude, for real. I mean, like... Tony, Tony, did you ever encounter, like, uh, you're the DC guy. Like, anything similar in DC that we don't know that uh, rings a, a similar vibration? Excuse me. Well, nothing that comes to mind as far as, like, the Groundhog's Day scenario... Like, as far as Groundhog's Day, I always think of, like, you know, the movie Groundhog's Day or, like, uh, Supernatural did an episode of it one time where they did a Groundhog's Day episode. I remember that one. And it was just ridiculously funny. Anyone anyone in the DC Universe that could use the same sort of 180-year maturity test? Uh, first thing, I'd come probably Constantine. Constantine or a Dr. Fate type character. We'll probably be like the first kind of people that come to mind as far as like just sense. Yeah. You just blew Those my, guys you just blew my fucking mind. Can you imagine a John Constantine comic book where he's mature, not drinking, not smoking? I love the drinking and smoking, don't get me wrong. But when he's on the level, he's never been on the level. He's always been hungover. He's always been full of shame. I'm gonna have to delete yeah. this last thing I just said from our conversation because someone's going to take it and run with it before I do. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to worry about that. But, like, legitimately... Uh, so, yeah, just so you got it, it's at a, uh, an hour and 49 minutes. But, um, I mean... Well, I love that stuff. Anytime someone levels up in 30 seconds because they experience a lifetime's worth of pain and frustration. Uh, I dig that stuff. That's my favorite thing about Dr. Strange, the movie. And I, I see that like, let's see, I want Peter Quill to be a character that can be looked up to and can be a leader. And uh, it's surprising that after all of the stuff that he's gone through, finding out that he's the son of Jason of Spartax, Spartax and, uh, that he is uh, led them through all of these things: the annihilation wave, the uh, uh, the War of the Kings, all of that crap. That he's still not a good leader. I don't believe that for a minute. But at the same time, no one can ever seem to figure out what they want to do with him because even back then, during the annihilation stuff, we had a Peter Quill that had like a cybernetic eye because he'd been through a lot and he was hurt and blah blah blah. And I'm like. How we don't know how he got past that. We don't know how he got cleared up until uh, somebody else started writing him, and they're just like, "Yeah, we're going to ignore that crap." You know, that stuff drives me crazy. Find the continuity. Develop these characters. They don't have to be the stupid Chris Pratt version of that character. Like, I saw real character growth in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and then we still had him being kind of a doofy, self-centered prick. So much so in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that by the time we got to um, Infinity War, he was he was the problem. He was the reason why it all failed. You know? Like, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be like that. Our characters should not regress. 
They need to get better at what they're doing, especially when you're pushing Chris Pratt. Well, Chris. Well, Chris Pratt was hired because of his character from The Office or, or Parks totally. and Rec. Parks and Rec, where he was the 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 same character, except he's got abs and a gun. Um, I, I think his his uh, initial hiring on on everything was because he was the lovable goofball that wasn't going to progress. And now, this issue, I, man. I'm so glad I have this in my hands is because this is a pivotal issue where fucking his balls dropped. That's like he got some hair in his fucking nut skis and his balls dropped and he got landed back where he was a hundred years later and we've got a big problem like null and he's looking at his buddies and, and his initial reaction wasn't like what's going on? <laughs> Uh, I'm just yeah. a, I'm just a guy. Uh, no, he's why the the pivotal question why answer the question. He's gonna figure it out fucking fast. I can't wait for a mature store look. Here we are. Let's have some no, fun. I seriously want that. Yeah, a mature Star Lord sounds good and interesting. Dude, I read once. this comic book for, in five minutes on the fucking can, and that's what I pulled out of that. That's nice. That's a. Uh... That's uh, that's um, revolting and appropriate. I think a lot of us. Look at the bright side. That's the only thing he pulled out of the can. (laughs) A lot of comics get red on the can. Dude, I'm still shitting fucking blue and green because that fucking Romulan ale. Sick. (laughs) That's the other thing he pulled out of the can. Well, I mean, (laughs) I always look back. I mean, like my big brother would always like. He texted me one time. He's like, "You got to check this out." Like, he had a dump that came out of the water, a solid. (laughs) three inches out of the water. And all this guy ate was peanut butter sandwiches and uh, french fries and Dr. Pepper. That was a Dr. Pepper, I guarantee it. (laughs) He was my big brother, man. I loved him. and like, Kind of pisses me off. He he wasn't a drinker. He wasn't a smoker. He should have been. (laughs) Because it took him anyway. Anyway, who's got something next? I got Batman 105 over here. Do it. Hit us up. Batman. All righty. Well, kind of going back, like with Nightwing and Batman both, like these issues both kind of come off as they're about second chances. So we open up, we got Batman and Ghostwalker back when they were teenagers, early 20s. And they actually have the conversation because Bruce is getting ready to leave to go back to Gotham. And they, they they basically fight about it. And at the end of it, you know, Bruce is like, you stay out of Gotham. And Ghost Hunter comes back, or Ghost Maker, actually, pardon me. Ghost Maker comes back with, you know, wherever I'm at, as long as it's not Gotham, you stay away. And he ends up getting on the plane and going home. So we wake up in present-day Gotham in Arkham Asylum. Harley Quinn's got a freaking katana to her throat, courtesy of Clown Hunter, because Ghostmaker just wants to prove a point to Batman that, you know, his ways don't work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Batman ends up saving Harley, you know, calming down Clown Hunter to an extent. And then Harley just has this, like, come-to-Jesus moment where she just admits that, you know, she doesn't even remember the day that clown hunter's parents were killed by her and the joker 
like she doesn't remember them in particular and you know she's sorry about it and like she's trying to change her ways but like at the end of the day she kind of you know she just wanted to feel powerful and i am by no means a harley quinn fan i think i think she's overrated you know they've done stuff where she's gone toe to toe with batman and i don't buy it not least but yeah mm-hmm. but like you know this harley like Harley Quinn show, like, this is the first time I've actually kind of been on board with Harley. Even... Because, you know, she shows... She's remorseful to it. Even after Joker War, like, when she's, like, demanding, like, hey, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna kill... I'm gonna kill him. And Batman, you know, holds him... Holds her... Holds her back and then she still shows up to actually save the day, which was weird. And, like, I gotta agree with you 100%, man. I hate Harley Quinn. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's it's kind of the same way. I'm not the biggest Wolverine fan. It's just because, you know, oh, you know, we're doing an X movie. We have to focus on Wolverine. Uh, we're doing anything to do with Batman or anything to do with Suicide Squad. Oh, it's the Harley Quinn show. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dude, you 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 shove her down my throat. I don't I don't care. You're gonna gag. But like that, you know, seeing her, yeah, you're gonna gag. But, like, seeing her show this, like, legitimate remorse, like, she's, you know, she talks about, you know, how, you know, nobody would listen to her, nobody thought she was important, and the Joker just listened to her, made her, you know, he, whether he freaking, you know, actually cared about her, or if he just wanted to use her as a tool, you know, she's not quite sure one way or the other. Did you read Harleen? like, at the end of the day, he used her. I have never read Harleen, uh... Harleen was the only time I felt for her because it showed the... It was the first time they showed in-depth, like, when she is... um, We're talking kick-ass graduate student. She made a Mm -hmm. mistake of sleeping with one of her professors. She got a bad name to herself, and she is... uh, Her theory is that the people in Arkham, the, the, the criminals needs just really someone to listen to and relate to and they she talks her way into getting getting the joker and it is a perfect example like we've uh, think like think about both of you guys think about people that women you knew were perfectly the smartest chicks you knew just had so much potential mm-hmm. and the wrong piece of shit fucking just seduced them and it was, that was when I started being able to uh, enjoy a, a Harley Harley Quinn on my palate. And way, the way he broke her down. And I, I, I remember the 105, was a, you're, you're talking right now about uh, 105. 104 ended with a clam killer with the, the knife to her neck, okay. right? Yeah, with a knife to her throat, yep. Yeah, and now we're, we're, we're finding her, you know, just spilling her guts. And that's essential, man. Like, can you imagine, like, man, I, not a girl, but at the same time, though, I've had people break me like that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When I mean, when you look at it, you know, she's over here looking at a creation of hers, almost, in Clown Hunter. Because if her parent, if his parents hadn't died, he wouldn't feel this rage, and like she caused that, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Dude, when when Batman at one hundred four, at the end of one hundred four, when why is this happening? He's like, you were there when Joker killed his parents. 
fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that it hurt. is what it is, you know, freaking. And then, you know, at the end of it, she's just like, you know, if you want to do this, you know, if you want to kill me, just go ahead. I deserve it. And whether she's freaking pulling a, you know, pulling a card and just kind of hoping he won't kill her or, you know, if she's got some master plan, you know, luckily he doesn't. And then he walks off. And right there, you've got his second chance because he didn't murder Harley. You know, Harley's got her second chance because, you know, Batman is willing to allow her to, you know, try to live a normal life. You know, and then you turn around and in walks Ghostmaker. And, you know, him and Batman, him and Batman have an interesting relationship because they're fighting. But at the same time, they're over here just kind of they're talking stuff out. You know, they're they're saying their peace to each other, and then Batman just ends up throwing his katana down on the ground, and is like, we're not going to do this anymore. I'm really enjoying this relationship <laughs> with Ghostmaker, because it, it is it is a guy in the same path that just, you know, just doesn't... I think the difference between him and Ghostmaker is Batman can think five minutes more than his face. Yeah. And, but they chose different paths, and... Uh, it, it perfectly works. Uh, how would you feel if you had the opportunity to, if you're it, like, I'm doing some of this one. Um, mm-hmm. You're you're clown killer, mm-hmm. or or you're Batman. And you're in your examining clown killer. Are, are we getting a new Robin? Are we getting the more fucked up Robin than we could get out of Damien? But at the same time, though, we're, we're dealing with the the idea where you have the ability to wrong the person that wronged you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, because Damien and Bruce have the f- actual father-son relationship. I wouldn't put them together. I would more so relate him to Jason Todd. Like, Jason Todd was, you know, a kid gone wrong. He was definitely going down the wrong tracks. You know, still in the hubcap, still in the bat t- tires off the Batmobile and whatnot. His yeah. parents were, I think his yeah his parents were both dead, and then his mom found they found out later his mom was alive. You know, same thing with Bao, Clown Hunter, is that freaking you know his parents are both gone. You know, I could definitely be more of like you know say like you want to help this kid out because he just needs help. Like this kid is he's he's gonna be screwed up. You can limit the amount of broken he is if you, you know, go out there and you know, try to be a positive influence in his life. Because if you don't, who's going to be? Right, but you're 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 forgetting the fact that like you're you're well, forgive me if I'm making the assumption. We're 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 dissecting clown killer in our own society. We <clears> don't <throat> we don't live in Gotham. Yeah, but I mean this is still this is still I mean, it's kind of the same thing though, because it's still a kid that lost his parents, you know, he's basically raising himself. He has nobody. He has no family. He has nowhere to go. He's, you know, he's supporting himself somehow, but like he needs, he needs a mentor regardless of whether it's Gotham city or Colorado Springs, (laughs) you know, he needs somebody to like, agreed, not necessarily like babysit him, but definitely kind of like give him a nudge in the right direction. So he doesn't go further down. You know, it's the same thing with like a kid, you know, maybe like a kid on drugs or something or like a kid that doesn't see a, a better way out of his situation. When he needs someone to push him in that direction and show him that, Hey, things can get better. You can get out of this, but you need to put forth that effort to do so or else you're just going to end up getting further down the rabbit hole. Especially when you're put in a position to fail. Yeah. I mean, he's got no shot. 
you know, and, you know, Bruce Wayne definitely had, or Batman, Bruce Wayne, whatever you want to refer to it as, definitely has, you know, avenues that, you know, Clown Hunter or Bow can't freaking, he doesn't have access to. Do you want to see this guy go down the hero path, or do you want to see him go through villain or anti-hero? I'm just interested to see where it's going to go overall. Like, he's definitely been a more, like, they've definitely focused quite a bit on him. Like, he's probably the top, the top you know, story coming out of Joker War. He's like, well, what's going to happen with this kid? 100%. You know, you can tell Batman, Batman, Batman straight up says, I care about this kid. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't want him to fail. You know, and, and so much so that he gets, he actually gets freaking Ghostmaker to stop chasing him. And he ends up getting Ghostmaker to freaking join him for a little while to kind of see how this works out and see, you know, which path of their two is going to, you know, is, is the better path, which I think is vastly interesting because freaking, you know, you know, Ghostmaker agreed to Batman's no killing rule, but like, we don't know how, you know, what else that entails, you know, how far will he go if he can't kill, you know, he can go right up to the brink without doing it. Colin, if you were to pick a rogue group of people that are fundamentally differenced to have a couple drinks at a bar, follow me in this. A rogue group of people? Yeah, imagine if Damian Wayne, clown killer, ten years from now, we've got... Old Ski, Dick Grayson, we've got Jason Todd, Red Hood, we've got some sort of, uh, we've got Crush, you know, uh, Lobo's kid. Like, we're having a drink. On the same wavelength of what Tony just broke down about what it is going to be about, about whether or not redemption whether or not someone needs somebody to be taken under their wing, what would you want them to talk about? Man, some of those guys, that's the thing. It's like, I've never, I don't know what clown killer is, but like, Asian if someone's going to talk it, about... Uh, uh, for Mindfielders, uh, clown killer came out of the Joker War. Uh, Asian kid, his parents were killed by a Joker and Harley Quinn years beforehand, and while all the clowns were running amok and murdering people and the Joker gas was turning people into living zombies, he was going about the sewers with a baseball bat and, and pipe bombs and murdering as many of the Joker's henchmen in clown costumes he could. Okay. I mean... What it what it amounts to if they're if they're gonna talk about redemption? Well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying redemption. I'm just saying what what, what, what do you think they'd want to talk about? Like if all these guys had just like, they sat down, especially because you have a, a lot of people. They'd wonder why I was there first of all. <laughs> B, uh, you know, they're all gonna talk about. They're all gonna realize they have a massive connection to Batman. And they're gonna they're gonna need to discuss that. They're gonna need to answer to why am I under this guy's thumb so much? Why can't I get out from under his shadow? Why 
um, why are we not our own Justice League? Why aren't we a Shadow of the Bat crew? Why does he set us up and then turn us loose in favor of some new Robin? And, uh, you know, they're all going to wonder what it is that they are to Bruce Wayne and how much that helps and and uh, how come they're not getting any more support from him and how come that guy won't let him, won't let them help him you know it's it's such a frustrating experience to be in the shadow of the bat because bruce is clearly a guy that needs to set people up and turn them loose and then not necessarily mentor them anymore and now there's this outrageous string of characters this unrealistic chain of links tying back to him, which makes no sense. Because for a guy that demands as much privacy and doing it himself and uh, not not relying on these people, they're all sitting there, One, they're a gigantic liability. All it takes is one really good villain to capture one of these guys, the weakest link in the chain, and torture them so heavily to figure out who is Batman, how do I get to him? Obviously, the best Batman story ever is going to be the one where that uh, you and I have talked about for years. And I'm not going to say that. So the second best Batman story is the one where somebody captures one of these guys, tortures them into revealing way too much, and then this character goes on to utilize that in an effort to slowly and like chop one inch off of Batman's legs every day as long as it takes to get Batman. And that means eliminating all of these characters that he trained up one after the other until Batman can't take it anymore. And that's how you destroy Batman. The institution. Like, that's what they're all going to freaking talk about. Their bad dad. They're awful. Yeah. Is he their bad dad? No, but he is definitely, like, he gave them all purpose. These people all came from, uh, like, random, ridiculous backgrounds. Some of them should have nothing to do with superheroism. Some of them should have nothing to do with vigilantism. What, where, where, how are any of these characters necessarily qualified to be a Robin or whatever? You well, know, and that... that's that, that's the whole key. If, if that's what they're, that's what they're going to discuss, the unifying collateral damage. Well, that's a good question, man, because right now, um, God, when was when did Superman come out? The the late thirties, and we're we're discussing a god, and now we're discussing the ultimate detective, that the only worthwhile. And Tony brought it up last week. Uh, it's the the detective, mm-hmm. um, that that's the redeeming factor right now. But we're, we're dealing with someone that is 
I'm hesitant to say how much more relevant can the bat really be the way that we're tuning out of Superman. He's a god. Can't beat Batman. No, that's the crazy thing. Superman is a god that cannot be defeated or destroyed. Batman is too clever to be defeated or destroyed. And he's too beloved by his fan base, let alone the name recognition. Because... Whether you are into Batman and are going to pick up every issue or even an issue every now and again, uh, if Batman's showing up, it's a big deal, period. And no one's going to get rid of Batman. That's not going anywhere. No, it's it's too much of a cash cow. Yeah. I mean, if you eliminated Batman for a year, where is Bruce Wayne? That's a huge media thing. Like, that's a big deal. Did Batman die? Is Batman gone? Did Batman give up? Did Batman quit? What variant of vacation? I mean, obviously, you take Batman out of the picture for a year and let all of these children of Batman take care of business, then it's a great gambit. It's like, it's like, it's like Nick Fury hiring the world's best assassin to kill Nick Fury so that Nick Fury can take out the world's best assassin. It's like, I mean, that was an ultimate Nick Fury story. It was an annual. And, like, if Batman disappeared for a minute, all of those villains would come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, let's run amok and see what happens. Because they're all freaking crazy. And then would Batman be able to rely upon all of those kids to do the work? No, they're going to screw up. They're not going to do a good job. And then Batman's going to show up at the end of that year and clean it up and fix it. And all of those kids are going to realize that they got put in their place and they've got to do better or they got to give up. But then you've just created more villains because those people know Bruce Wayne's secrets. Every the, one the of those characters family. is a liability, and they got to stop creating new characters like that. Tony, what do you got on that? I don't, I don't know, because freaking cause Batman died for a couple of years. I think Dick Grayson ended up being Batman for a solid dude, two years. Dude, it was wonderful. Grant Morrison yeah, took over Batman RP. Batman, that's awesome. Yeah, you just set us on fire, man. The Batman went, like, we, like, I, I, God, I, I, I think one of the. I think Colin and I talked, slaved over this for like two months. Uh, Batman R&P, and then they did mm-hmm. the, uh, Neil Gaiman, the two-issue stories, whatever happened to the, uh, the, the Cape Crusader. No, uh, whatever happened to the, the, the Dark Knight, I, I, but it was a two-issue series. Well, Neil Gaiman wrote it, and our, um, uh, Pennyworth put on a, a funeral specifically with a viewing for the bad guys. And yep. and then Dick Grayson took over, and he had to wrangle Robin. And like I remember calling, calling, calling at like two in the morning, like you won't fucking believe what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was it was such a it was such a it didn't feel like a cash grab. Colin, I remember you specifically said it didn't feel like a cash grab. It wasn't a we gotta get all the very issues of when Batman died, and because the the. I mean, like when they they brought him back, it, it was kind of weird. Because remember, they did the the same thing with uh at the same time with Captain America fighting his way through uh yeah 
yeah. Through, oh through, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Through timelines, like barbarian Batman or whatever. Yeah, Batman of the of the dinosaur age. I remember I had that Batman hero click, and everybody I knew wanted it so bad. I don't think I think I'm I'm pretty sure I traded it off. You've got um, that Galactus hero click, man. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a couple of them. God damn. Guy's got a Sentinel. Sheesh. <laughs> I like the Sentinels, yeah. Sentinel's pretty awesome. I've got mm-hmm. a John Constantine. That's all that matters to me. And a, and a, <laughs> I may or may not have a John Constantine. I'll have to figure it out. And a, a Nick Necro is... What'd you, you bought those for me. Yeah, yeah, I did. I totally did. Yeah. And that game really sucked, dude. I'm sorry. It was so boring. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Yeah, yeah. You pissed and moaned about Hero Clicks, and I sat there and I learned how to play Magic with you. Yeah, and then I fucking built you a fucking killer deck, and we fucking played till four in the morning, and it was awesome. And mm-hmm. I got bored at Hastings and spent $100 in D&D books. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you built me a deck that you couldn't defeat. I killed you two times Dude, in a I, row. Dude, I built him, like, he, he played it twice. I, I, I had all my, like, I legit built him an indefeatable deck. I, 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 like, I had my indefeatable deck, and he whooped my monkey ass. <laughs> like, you gotta put an Achilles heel in there, man. You gotta dude, put an Achilles heel. Dude, I don't play Achilles heels with my boys. And, uh, the thing was, is like, it was just like, it, it was just... Then accept your defeat. I accept my defeat, but I'm still a little pissed off because the reason he knew how to play so well is because he plays Pokemon so goddamn much. I got into a 30-minute conversation with a guy at work the other day because I told him I didn't know what a Pokemon was. It was amazing. And the killer part was at the end, I eventually told him, it's like, oh, it's like Digimon. He got so pissed. It was hilarious. That's like and I love I, I do I do enjoy playing Pokemon. But yeah. like if Pokemon was built around the idea that it was like licensed the, the game mechanics make sense. Imagine you're playing Pokemon but the characters are like Tatooine Luke who evolves into Bespin Luke with different powers and hit points and then evolves into Jedi Luke with different powers and hit points. Like, the evolution concept is so interesting, especially when you add energy to them to make them capable of getting this ultimate. And when you actually... It's like people who are obsessing over a particular flower blossoming at this particular moment. Like, that's what Pokemon is. Can you actually get this thing to happen? With this... explicit type of energies and like actually nail somebody for 230 or something like that. It's like magic, you know? Can you actually get to the point where you're going to subtract eight from this Liliana or whatever to be able to pull off this particular thing and nail your opponent so hard that they they can't come back from it and then you just own the game and I, then does that fat schlub get pissed off and flip the table, you know? I've got a question without giving any uh, spoilers for Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. We're, you know a lot about the, the Star Wars, like, uh, all the novels and everything, right? Yeah, I'm listening to Heir to the Empire 
on uh, audiobook. How successful were any? How were how successful were any of Luke's Padawans? Um, not very, really, because he doesn't have any. Okay, so technically, the first story that takes place in the expanded universe after Return of the Jedi is um, Courtship of Princess Leia, which is yeah. a phenomenal don't, book. Don't get too far. Just tell me. Just tell me if his Padawans were successful or, or stayed. No. None of them were successful or stable necessarily. That's maybe what I Maybe Skatey 1. That's what maybe, I thought. Maybe, uh... You maybe told me that before. You told me that before and I fucking... Like, everyone is freaking out right now and... Well, then don't say a damn thing. I don't want to know anything about it. Nobody wants to know anything about this. You can do an entire Mandalorian episode. Not gonna do it. <laughs> Not gonna no. do it. Uh, I do have to say, though, the the season finale of season two of Mandalorian, and Tony, I've talked to you about this before, I like Sasha mm-hmm. Banks again. <laughs> she, uh, did, of she did. She did so... That's enough. That's enough. Like, There's dude, some reason dude, she like Sasha Banks after what happened to Paige. She sidelined Paige, and I swear to God, or whatever Dee Dee was listening, that would hate her till the day I died. But what happened in Mandalorian today? I Great, see. you told me too much. Oh, what that part at the end? I'm taking my headphones off. You guys carry on. I'll, I'll catch up with you guys. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen an episode, man. I don't even know what's going He's on. He's fucking with you, man. This guy. I've never, never dude, seen an episode. Dude, I can't wait for you to come to Colorado and meet everybody because they all know who you are, and uh, I've built the mythos of a uh, call it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to do some serious weight training and a lot more stretching. And... No, no, just. Uh, uh, the the real Just bring test. some donuts, man. We'll be fine. Yeah, bring some, some donuts. donuts. Uh, do bring some, some carbs and sugar. I, I like maple. Yeah, I want to get in the ring and check it out. I want to get thrown around a bit. I want to see if I can articulate any of these amazing technical feats of personal strength and acumen. I'm, you know, I'm definitely too old to be doing that. But I'm just, I'm just fascinated by the idea of being able to like actually pull off some some serious moves and stunts and, and not hurt somebody le- like more than I should. You know what I mean? Like there's yep. a, there is a gray area where like this makes sense because I'm accepting this much, you know, how many chops can you take? That's fascinating to me. And it's like, okay, well let's do this thing. Let's do, I just, I'm fascinated by the idea of all of that working out and Every time anybody who outweighs me has ever uh, battled me, they can pretty much throw me around the room unless I'm ex- like specifically trying to hurt them with my black belt. And it's like, okay, you know, how do I fight this guy? I go for the soft points. I go for this. I go for that. I go for that. Like, I'm going to – and you just map it out. It happens in my brain in a second. This is different than that guy, you know? Tony, when you're Andre the Giant – and you're like fighting one opponent, that's one thing. But when you're Andre the Giant, you're fighting twenty people in the Princess Bride. It's a whole different game. Tony, this is why he needs to be at training, just challenging people. Like, do this. Like, yeah, that could definitely be interesting. Shoot, cut a promo, and man, and and just to actually shoot for a second, 
I am so fucking tired of people always saying, man, I cut promos all the time. Cut them in the shower in the car. And then I buy a green screen. <laughs> I buy a green screen for the fucking school and fucking crickets. Like <laughs> Fucking crickets. Hey, come come cut some promos. Fucking free. We got the fucking green screen. We'll put whatever the fuck you want behind you. Crickets. Um, Colin will light a fire on your ass, man. He will, he will find the purpose that you didn't know was there. Like, he'll, he'll just find, I want to say this. Is it because this? Get out of my head. (laughs) Get out of my head. Like, he, 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 like, Colin has that mutant ability. Like, if Colin has mutant ability, it's to fucking find the meats and potatoes. Like, that's why this. All right, calm down. All right, cool. Kind of. Um, I've probably got my moments. I probably you got, got your. You're my, my best fucking friend in the world, man. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're dude. Uh, I gotta say, uh, I met Colin when I was hanging out with my ex girlfriend, who he also banged. We're we're asking my brothers on like three different chicks. <laughs> I'm not talking about this. Anyway, um. Uh, this chick is like, hey, Colin's coming over. Uh, I, and I had a fucking handle of Canadian Mist, and I was reading uh, a graphic novel, uh, Dawn. Uh, Joseph Michael Lizner's uh, Dawn. Uh, it wasn't Three Tears, it was Lucifer's Halo. And it was the the edition I couldn't get from ten years beforehand because I didn't have the cash because I was a kid. Dude, move out it's of... It's going on outside. Is yeah, there... get out of Double. Tulsa, dude. <laughs> Dude, I am not the one. Dude, Tony lives in fucking security. You live in Tulsa. I live in fucking Seton Hills. You're the one. I don't need security. I am security. You're. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Blackwell comes in. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, we became best friends over some whiskey, and uh, you reading like if, if if you were gonna pick, like. Who your best friend was going to be, and them to meet you, like, you, you both read comics, and you're like, what hardcore badass comic would secure me being a badass? How <laughs> <It, laughs> am I going to be friends with that? Yeah, it, like... Okay, I'm going to pick the best X-Men team, <laughs> the best Avengers team, what comic book is so, like, it's got to be, it's got to be Rising Stars, it's got to be like, oh, it's got to be like Thundercats. Dude, Transformers or something. Dude, I got what the... is it going to be? Dawn. I walk in and I'm like, oh, dude, hell yeah. J. Michael Linzer's Dawn? Yeah, you... what, what, where did you pick that up? Yeah, you, you you found this drunk-ass fucking asshole like laying on the couch half awake reading Joseph Michael Linzer's Dawn. Lucifer's Halo. First print trade paperback. <laughs> like, you want to take some shots? And then I fucking meet Tony. It was and... love at first sight. <laughs> hey, it was it was love at first sight, man. It was love at first sight when you're like, hey, when I met you, man. Too like uh, I met you a couple of times beforehand, but when you're like, hey, we gotta talk. Like, yeah. uh, I remember we were doing the commentary for CSW. I'm like, man, fuck Tony, and then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, like pure kayfabe shattering. Like you're walking out of the ring, and my big ass just grabs you. <laughs> um. Yeah, 
this is what happens in minefields. We're all best friends. This is what happens. This is how it should be done. This is how it happens. And if you're listening to this, and you don't have these type of friends, find them. Yeah, seriously. Figure out who your best friends are. Find them. Figure out something you can do together that's not just, you know, smoking dope and eating pizza pockets and playing uh, DuckTales video games or whatever you're Wait, doing. Wait, there's a DuckTales video game? Don't fuck with me, For man. Nintendo. <laughs> For the original NES. Yeah, Dude. go steal some moon rocks. Dude, yesterday I woke up. In DuckTales, whatever you're doing, you know, like. I'm going to see if I can find that out on eBay. Hold real on. stuff and how to be better <laughs> people. I already bought you a present. Don't make me buy that for you. Got my fucking. Let's see where the DuckTales. Dude, I had six grand show up in my fucking account this morning. Oh, shut up. I haven't you're been going to dinner then. I will. You want to go to dinner tomorrow? <laughs> I got to work. Ah, DuckTales Duck Disney NES game, $32.09, buy it now, plus two ninety five shipping. Sold. Two ninety five. fuck that. $32.09, yeah, two ninety five shipping, yep. There's hey, Josh. Yes. $23.99. What, uh, what size shirt are you rolling with right now? Extra large for my beautiful pecs and... Dude, dude, yeah, your pecs and your killer shoulders. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm fucking Apache, dude. I'm Apache, Spanish, and Mexican. <laughs> I, I, yes, I was, man. Like, you are, hit, you hit, are. Hitler was all about the fucking Norse guys, but those guys have a lot of blonde hair and get cancer. Um, no, I just, we just drink ourselves to death. We're cool. <laughs> no, dude, you just, you know, add a tomato, add some corn. You're gonna be healthy. Don't tell me uh, how to. Don't tell me how to make a fucking burrito, you fucking white fuck. Yeah, <laughs> Irish. Had to make a burrito. I'll yeah, yeah, Irish Chipotle. bug. <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Mm. Dude, I woke I, up. I, I woke up yesterday morning and I had the Darkwing Duck song stuck in my head for like four hours. I don't even remember <laughs> how that goes. Let's I'm a get dangerous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a tailspin guy, actually. Dude, I mean, Tailspin was good too. Tailspin was cool. You're con, man. Dude, uh, the 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 and uh, you get holiday on y'all uh, when mom and dad took us to go see Home Alone two. Um, before we went to Home Alone two, we stopped at Walmart and mom and dad bought me some Nickelodeon gack and we got uh, some Happy Meals. Me and Robin, Gak. and it was yeah, it was it was great. And uh, we stopped at a wall uh, at at mcdonald's and got some happy meals and we got the the tailspin toys and then we went mm. to and then we went to home alone that was legit it actually happened no one can steal that from me until they do until they do until you fucking kick the shit out of me because i can't do enough burpees but we gotta do some more comics is it my turn i'm like a i'm like a third of your size dude no dude no dude we aren't doing any more comics tonight. I don't. I don't have it in me to go into how important the next book is for me. So I want to try to. I want to try to hit this up again really, really soon while it's fresh in my head. Well, I'm glad that we didn't list off what we were going to list off today because there you we, go. We we got pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to get out there and start explaining things or tell you what we're going to do and then not go through it. So, you know, at the very least, you can check our credits page and see. Uh, 
who did what and who worked on what and all of that business. So I think that's a thing to do. Dude, today I realized that all the blondes I've been chasing has been bullshit. I think it's just stop on the blonde chicks. No, it's it's a uh, chick from Mandalorian. Gina. Jesus Christ. She's an MMA fighter. Triple D. Nice and thick. Black I don't hair. Know what Never watched it. I don't want to. I've fallen asleep more times watching The Mandalorian than I've fallen asleep. That's because you were drinking that fucking rot gut shit, man. No, oh, you... fairness, she's in Deadpool too. So. Oh, she was Angel Just, maybe. Oh, your titties yeah. out. <laughs> oh, thank you, nice gentleman. Um, I would pay cash money, like a hundred dollars each, for a couple of special edition movies. Number one, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Where Phoebe Cates comes out of the fucking water and we see some fucking full-on titties. I don't care if it's a second. This is Once... the most rated R podcast you're going to find. <laughs> we we finally hit Minefields After Dark. Minefield? Oh, we're, we're, we're Minefields After Dark. We finally crossed into it. Dude, you called this later. Okay, so Minefields After Dark. So talking about titties. Okay, seven. $100 special edition DVD. I don't care if it's a DVD. You see Phoebe Cates' titties just for a second. Every year, my sister and I, we're taking shots. Mom and dad aren't looking. Like, we're, Robin and I are taking shots. Like, my, sister, my sister's the dopest chick in the world. And I'm thinking, like, maybe just, maybe this year, if I just don't blink. But, I pay hundred bucks for Angel Dust Titty falling on a fucking, fucking uh, flak jacket, man. In Deadpool. <laughs> I would go to the movies <laughs> for a guaranteed one second. But I'm just a guy who likes titties. So, Minefields After Dark. We're doing it, right? I, I guess so. Did. That's where we are we right did. now. I don't know when we faded out. <laughs> but, uh, a couple shots yeah, ago, apparently. figure that out, man. I'm going to stop recording. No, don't stop recording. I'm recording. All right. <laughs> Tony, who's your favorite titties of all time in cinema? Mm. Damn it, I had too much to drink. Shoot. While you're Um, you're thinking about that, I will tell you about the first titty I saw on TV. My mom and dad rented Total Recall. And (laughs) I snuck down the stairs... Because I wanted to watch an Arnold movie because he was like a god to me. And I get to see some three-titty chick. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. And then I remember like watching the, the, the gun battle after that. And the first thing I did was kill the midget chick. I'm like, why her? Like, she should have been the sidekick all the way to the end. <laughs> Tony, what was your first titties on Minefields After Dark that you had to see first on TV? I'm popping the head, man. Probably freaking uh, Pamela Henderson and Barbed Wire. There were titties in that movie? The opening scene. <laughs> That's like the first thing that pops in my head. Colin? My favorite? No, first titties. Oh, the first. First titties. Man, I don't even know. I mean, I'm so old. I don't even know. 
Um, the year was nineteen sixty-five. I mean, given how old I am, uh, you're forty-two, man. Don't fucking say you're old. I could have seen. I could have been seeing stuff by accident on HBO as a kid. I have no idea, dude. I remember seeing uh, uh, Outer Limits on Showtime. When Alyssa Milano was that fucking, uh, uh, um, who was she? She was like the, the equivalent of species. And she pulled mm-hmm. them titties out, and I didn't want to see the Natasha Alyssa... Henstridge? No, no, I'm talking about <laughs> Alyssa Milano. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I've been wanting to see Alyssa Milano titties since I was a child, because I love who's the boss. <laughs> and, uh, got to see some titties. You know what? It occurs to me. <laughs> you get no scientific and shit. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, it didn't take absolute nudity to get me excited for one reason or another. As a child, like, obviously the mere thought of it kind of got somewhere, but like, you know, I remember some weird, like, rainbow hotel movie with, uh, um, Carrie Fisher in it. And there was some scene where she was running around and she was stuck in her underwear or whatever, and that was a big deal to me was for she, whatever Did we see full-on nipple? No, not at all, not at all. Carrie, I wonder... I'm Googling it. I'm going to check and see if I can figure out what what movie that was. That is a good Photoshop rendition. Man, she went through some stuff. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. <clears throat> Under the Rainbow, 1981. American comedy film starring Chevy Chase, Carrie Fisher, and Billy Barty. You know, she ghost wrote, she ghost wrote uh, The Wedding Singer and also uh, the Burbs. Well, she was in the Burbs. So yeah, probably. but she 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 uh, did the uh, she polished those scripts. Oh yeah, that was her job. That was her job outside of acting was to be a script doctor. <clears throat> Tony, what do you got? I would do mine out there. Uh, Pam Anderson, barbed wire. Mine feels after dark. Come on, give us some. Uh... Is something else? Um, I think we saw Renee Russo's in uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, really? If I correctly. I've never seen that. Yeah, that one was. I remember that being a pretty solid movie. That is a one. Renee Russo is. That is a, a delicious person. Huh. I mean, Lethal Weapon Three. She's a lot of fun in that movie. I. I always she's imagine. so good as Freya. I was mm-hmm. imagining her pregnant in four. <laughs> <laughs> Reading some romance novels, I can deal with that. I mean, she was putting up living on the on the beach in a fucking RV. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, seriously. I mean, and you know what? I'm gonna say this. Minefields after dark, not for broadcast. I can tell right now that my girlfriend would live with me. Virtually anywhere in the world, if that's what it meant. Like, that's the thing that freaks me out. 
she she is so enamored of the entire thing that uh, we could live in a trash dumpster. She's she's Maggie, right? Yep. She a Margaret? No. Not for freaking broadcast. Oh, we're broadcasting this, baby. <laughs> no, we are fucking not, man. <laughs> I don't want to wreck that. I mean, does she listen to? Does she listen to her shit? Mm, I'm not sure. I think she listened to one just because she wanted to hear my voice. That's kind of uh, hot. That's kind of hot. Here, I'm gonna send you guys a. Uh... <laughs> Here you go. Uh, where's where's that group text we've been in? I don't. I'd say off topic, but I think we've done blown up the topic at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's time to move on. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on from Hollywood titties, and we're going to where else? And minefields after dark. I know, Alien Nation. Oh yeah, that's a fun show. It's a good movie. The movie. Tony, have you seen Alien Nation? I'm going to go no again, unfortunately. I'm going to send you the fucking, up. my Hulu login for that shit. That is, <laughs> that, that movie, it was Lethal Weapon with Aliens. And with the most racist, anti-alien guy, James Caan. With, uh, with Stacey, um, no, no, Mandy Patinkin. Uh, playing the alien and Uh he's like the alien that gets promoted because he is playing ball and the he's he's their uncle tom and he's in full officer gear and then when he's promoted to detective uh he shows up hour early hey you want some donuts got some coffee uh hey you got any cigarettes? Yeah, I know. I, I saw your your brand. Like he he was doing everything he could to to fit in. And as the as the the movie progressed, like when they are trying to uh, interrogate the aliens, and um, James Conn tries to uh, knee this guy in the balls, and he's like, uh, they they get some some juice out of him. But after when he walks away, and he's like, listen. Uh, you did the knee of the groin, but uh, what I think you were looking for, just punch here. Like, really underselling his guys. Like, like he wasn't Uncle Tom, but he's like, we got a job to do. And um, they, they dissolve in salt water. So the aliens that are trying to make their way, the, the mobster guys, they, they take the guys they don't like and they dump them in the fucking... In the in the fucking ocean, and uh, at the end scene when it's uh, in in the water, and Manny Patinkin's dragging his arm, like I mean it's it's like you know when you're watching Lethal Weapon, it's like well to me, raise well to me, or, or, or like hey, you know he's sitting on the shitter and there's a bomb. Um, no, hand into acid, <laughs> yeah. hand into acid, and the. The idea was is that these they they showed up on Earth. Um, they were a slave race, and they escaped their captors, and they were looking for uh, their refugees. And after like what ten years, Colin? 
Yeah, something like that. About ten. They were granted, like, full human rights. And so they, they've got jobs. They've got, like, uh, do you ever see that episode of um, South Park where the future people showed up? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It was kind of like that. Um, they you know, got our job! <laughs> Dude, Tony, one of the best things I ever yell out if you're at WrestleMania or any sort of big group uh, like, I've been to two WrestleManias, and you yell out, they took our jobs, and the place will wipe the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> took our jobs! And like, more than woo. <laughs> like, you, you get a woo back, right? And, like, eight people woo back. You scream, they took our drugs, and you get... Like, like from, like, 90 people. It's fucking great. Um, Guys, this is when the uh, recording went a little sideways and, and I lost everything. But we're right at the tail end anyway. And this transmission is over. And this is dangerous.